guys welcome to squash talk i'm pat hope you're all doing well tonight hello chat you're looking beautiful as always um with us tonight is uh is a guy that's been on the show he's known as the sasquatch detective and trust me he is uh, i don't want him vetting my life i can tell you that um and uh he's been on the show actually a couple of times man um not not too too long ago when I did like a free for all, he wanted to jump in. That was cool. We had fun, and uh, but tonight uh, he he's gonna just kind of come on as a as a guest, and we're gonna open it up here with uh, Mr. Steve Calls. How you doing tonight, bud? Hey, Pat, I'm doing great. How's yourself? I'm well. I'm well. Things are uh, going good, man, in the Turner household. Um, so yeah, man, let's jump right into it. Uh, you you've been on here before. Um, I, you kind of have an open door invitation, really. Um, usually we do our panel discussions and, uh, you're, you're always welcome to be a panel member as well. And you, you kind of, by default, I think we'll be tonight. So, <laughs> so, but, uh, let's just open it up, man. Um, tell yeah, us. Yeah. I heard there's talking. a gaggle waiting behind me. Somewhere. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, man, tell us, tell us about what it's like to do sasquatch detective world and i don't know god you've been doing this for 20 years maybe 20 22 uh i'm sorry <laughs> on the cusp of 23 i i started sometime in 98 doing this uh, i started doing a lot of book research and and then slowly end of 98 i started reaching out to other researchers and started making connections and inroads and started investigating whether or not this stuff is true or not. And uh, as it turned out, I, I, I truly believe that this is a real phenomenon going on. Right. Unfortunately, like every other phenomenon there is, be it paranormal, be it UFOs, be it dogmen, chupacabra, whatever, uh, Loch Ness, there is a, uh, you know, there is always a smattering of um, hoaxes and there's always a smattering of misidentifications and there's always a smattering of uh, pseudoscience and, and, and people not uh, really uh, putting an investigative process to what they're doing. And, uh, and that's unfortunate because uh, a lot of misinformation gets out there. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been an investigator. I've worked fires. I've worked, <coughs> I mean, uh, I've worked fires. I've worked our, um, including arson cases. I've worked, auto accidents. I've worked burglaries. I've worked um, uh, many other types of insurance claims. I have been in both sides of the legal process uh, investigating and a criminal side and on the legal side. Um, I also, um, I, I also uh, investigate some other things that may find my interest in being a private investigator. I have a little more inroads and a little more things to do backgrounds and searches on people that the normal Joe on the street doesn't have. Um, and uh, I've come up, you know, I, I've, I'm pretty much believe we had a missing person in the Albany area in 1998. And I'm pretty certain that I have who most likely was responsible for it. And it turns out that he is long dead now. Um, and uh, 
it, it turned out that it was actually um, a serial killer that uh, actually got caught for what he did in Anchorage, Alaska is by the name of Israel Keys. And uh, just to, I'll give you a little background. That's yeah. probably one of the most fascinating things I, I had done was is uh, one of the things I like to do is I like to do a lot of criminal psychology, criminal profiling, uh, things like that. So when I'm quiet and I'm not necessarily doing Bigfoot stuff, I'm, I'm looking at other stuff and, that I find fascinating. Um, and, and that all has to do with when I, when I became, I became a forensic interviewer in 1994. I have probably interviewed almost 600 people. And uh, most of the time, probably like an 85%, 90% ratio, I get a confession and an admission of some sort of criminal activity or guilt. Mm. Um, so uh, and I, not only did I take a system in 1994, I also took another system in 1999. So I'm very well versed in being able to flip those two systems to, ben you know, basically to benefit the psychology of the process because forensic interviewing, aka interrogation. And mm. believe me, I've watched First 48 where some of the other cop shows that they have these interrogations and I'm going, oh, they're blowing it. They're blowing it. <laughs> you know, they had the guy there, you know, but then they, right. you know, it's a psychological, it's a psychology process. And uh, unfortunately it makes you say things sometimes you may not agree with, but you do it to gain, uh, to show empathy towards the criminal and make them more sympathetic. And it makes the, it lessens the moral implication of what they've done to say, okay, yeah, this is what happened. So that that's a big part of that process. Now, people will say, well, it never work on me. Well, you're not the guilty party. You have to actually be guilty of something for it to actually work and right. for me to be investigating it because that that's the, the linchpin. If you're not guilty of something or not some guilty of something in particular that I'm investigating, there's no way I can get that linchpin to make you cave. So that that's the uh, the interesting thing on that. Um but yes, this, this case goes back to 1998 in Albany. Uh, this young lady went missing. Uh, she was a SUNY Albany student. She went missing after leaving um, her, her job at Crossgates Mall. Uh, she got on a bus. She went over to the SUNY campus in Albany. She got off the bus and nobody ever saw her again. Uh, they did find, as it turned out, that they did find her name badge in the parking lot of SUNY. Um, she has been missing now since 1998 actually it was the same year i entered bigfoot research <laughs> um uh as it turns out uh there was a gentleman who uh used her debit card and uh the the, the police had uh had actually um found the guy that, that was responsible turns out he was a cook at suny albany and um they cleared him um he claims that he had found the uh, the card in the parking lot, but how did he know the pin? Well, this goes back to Israel Keys, uh, who uh, most famously it, it was uh, this whole kidnapping was caught on video. He grabbed this young barista out of a coffee kiosk in Anchorage uh, at eleven o'clock at night, and uh, she ended up disappearing, um, and nobody knew where she went. So when they when they finally caught up with him. Um, it turns out that he turned out to be a serial killer and he was like one of the most dangerous serial killers ever. Uh, they thought because throughout the United States, he had buried kill kits. And, um, the funny thing is he does have a connection in New York state. He owned a home 
close to the Canadian border in New York. And he was responsible for murdering a married couple in Burlington, Vermont, committing a bank bank robbery in Tupper Lake, New York. Now, the interesting thing is, is when the FBI interviewed this guy, he had said that, uh, and this was in 2012, he had said that he became what he was 14 years prior. He's been the, now 14 years prior is 1998, the same year that girl went missing. But the funny thing is, is she went missing in March of 1998. Um, Again, she went to SUNY Albany. Israel Keys at the time in 98 was living on the Canadian border, which is a good three, four, five hours from here. Well, as it turned out, when Keys enlisted in the army, he enlisted in Albany, New York in July of 98, just four months after her disappearance. So there's just too much coincidence there. And one of his key signatures was, is he would collect the the victim's debit card and scratch their pin number on the card. So the, the big thing is, is I believe that, that the, the reason why that cook knew the pin number of the card, because it was scratched on the front of the card and that would directly tie it to Israel keys as well, as will be the enlistment. And I don't understand why he would enlist in Albany, New York, when he could have enlisted in nearby Plattsburgh, New York, which is only a, a, about an hour and a half from where he lived. So instead he comes four hours south to enlist in Albany, New York. So there, there is definitely a tie. It's very strange that he would enlist in Albany. But so. Uh, well, that's, that's a very interesting uh, investigation. Yes. But yeah. you're like, you know, tied to, and it's, it's actually yeah, quite fascinating especially being uh, so long ago, which yeah. is, you know, the, 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 the further away in time you get, you know, sometimes the harder it is to. Uh, right. Now, the, the interesting thing is, is that Israel Keys loved putting bodies in parks. Uh, they eventually found that barista. She was actually under the ice mm. uh, under the, in the lake um, in one of the national parks in Alaska. And he had admitted uh, to uh, some other killings in national parks. Everywhere he went, there was a, there was a body found in a national park. Um, he even admits that the, the two murder victims, uh, he had buried them in their old home, but he'd taken their belongings and their belongings he discarded in the Adirondack State Park. Now, the funny thing is, is I'm also uh, within that time period, 2005, 2006, I'm investigating two uh, cold case murders in Saratoga County, uh, which the bodies were each deposited in a different state park, one in the Daketown State Forest and another one in the Lake Desolation State Forest. And that's just within 10 miles of my home, either one. One's five miles, the other one is about seven or eight miles. So they were deposited in those those state parks too, which which is kind of Israel Key's MO. And they, it took right. them a long, it took, the, the first victim, it took them a year and a half to find the body. The second victim only took them about nine months. But that that's the thing. He, he discards bodies in national parks in, in a similar manner in which these girls were discarded. So uh, yeah. do I think it's Israel Keys? Uh, it could be, because this could have been a prowling ground for him for a while. So. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, those yeah. are, those are pretty uh, strong, I'd say strong, giant, big dots to start connecting. So I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, um, unfortunately, they're, they're, you know, because of uh, the, the, in the case of the missing girl, um, a lot of the information is out there. Uh, I'm still waiting to get that piece on the credit card. Was the PIN number? You know, I'm trying to get confirmation from the Albany PD. Was there an actual 
you know, uh, scratching of the pin number on the card because that'd be the dead giveaway. That was Israel Keys' signature. The other two girls, that is just conjecture at this point because there is so much information being withheld, such as manner of death. Mm-hmm. You know, there is some smattering of how their, you know, one girl's remains were found, but that, you know, were manner of death. Uh, there isn't really an official manner of death in, in those two girls as well. So that kind of kills the victimology. It kind of kills the the uh, the profile of that particular person in the manner and, and, of course, the signature of how they killed them. Fair enough. Yep. So you would think, I would think that applying these same kind of uh, techniques, <coughs> ways of thinking, uh, investigating, actual investigating, would actually be a lot easier in the Bigfoot world, but I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> it is. It really is. It, 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 you know, I don't speak on a lot of different topics because most of the t- stuff that comes out from the Bigfoot world is small potatoes. I feel somebody says, "Oh, I got these wonderful pictures." Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. You know, right. it, it, you know, if it starts making the rounds and on media. You know, and, and people start. That's when I have to step in and go. Okay, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna bore my full weight on this and and see if it. But there there are signatures to hoaxing, and there are very similarities to hoaxing. And uh, I have developed the first thing I set out when I when I started getting into this was developing. Well, first was my 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 mission statement, which is my five tenets. But I've discussed that before. But I had to develop an investigation matrix. And this is what's going to keep you out of trouble. And there's a five-step investigation matrix I use. And where investigators and people who do Bigfoot research, um, they skip some of these steps. And when you skip these steps, that's where you get into trouble. You know, if you take step one, two, and then you go right to five, you're in trouble. Because you have nothing to back your words up. You have no evidence. You have nothing, no weight at all on your shoulders. So it's always taking the initial report. How that ever comes in. Usually it comes in via email or uh, or a Facebook message or, you know, uh, an online web report. Um, so one of the things, you, you know, obviously is you make all needed necessary, necessary requests. Ask for a detailed written account. Complete audio, video, and photo evidence of available. So gather all all the stuff they're claiming, um, and that's that's huge. If somebody's not willing to email you an original copy of a picture or a video, and any of that surrounding those pictures and video, issue. You know, a five second video of a Sasquatch or a ten second video of a Sasquatch to me is useless. Well, what were you doing beforehand? Was there any video before? Was there any video after? Did you do any post research? Did you take pictures afterwards? No, we get these five. And and what was the story? What was the timeline events? Where 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 were they going from point A to point B? What were you doing there? How long did you spend there? Where did you travel from? When you were done with that, where did you go to next? Who did you talk to about it? Because these are all very important things. For example, somebody may say, "Hey, you know." I had this, you know, I got this video of this Bigfoot. Okay, who'd you tell? What do you mean who I told? Well, did you tell your, your wife? Well, yeah, I told my wife. Okay, can I talk to her? Oh, you see, now you're starting to put cracks in the fence because there are secondary witnesses. And even though hearsay is not admitted in a court of law, if somebody, if your main witness talks to that person, they are not a hearsay witness, they're a witness. They may be hearsay to what was seen, but they are a witness to an event 
The event is not the Bigfoot. The event is the person saying they saw a Bigfoot. And that's what people forget. So that secondary witness is important. There was a case up in Whitehall, Sue Ross. She was a little girl. <clears throat> thought her brother was doing it. It was a little Bigfoot throwing rocks at her. And she thought it was her brother. And she turned around. And here's this little four-foot Bigfoot next to a tree jumping up and down. She got so scared, she ran home, told her mother. We talked to her mother. Her mother says, oh, yeah, I remember that day very clearly. Yeah, she came screaming in, said this little monkey thing was jumping up and down, throwing rocks at her. So there's your secondary evidence. So this story isn't necessarily made up. Could it be the imagination of a little girl? Maybe. But we know it's not a made-up story. And that's why the secondary witness is always important. Those people that are layered into the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, look at the Fords in Falk, Arkansas. Every single one had a story. And even the ones that didn't see it had a story about the people who did. That's secondary. And that's the importance. That builds credibility. That builds faith in your story. So then the next step, the phone interview. Of course, you're going to do a phone interview after taking the written account. You want to make sure everything matches up. And then finally, the face-to-face -face admission or a face-to-face -face interview. And each step of the process, of course, the written report, you're going, to have a, you're going to have a physical copy of. Ask when you do the phone interview, would you mind if I record this? And then when you face-to-face -face re review them, either videotape or audio record them. Do it again because you want to have everything consistently consistent. Now, if people object, oh, well, you know, this seems like a little bit much. You're asking me. And the other questions, you got to ask these questions. Hey, uh, you know, in order for me to, to validate your story, this is for your benefit. I need to know everything. Do you take recreational drugs? Are you on psychiatric meds? <laughs> Have you had anything tragic happen to you in the last few years? Did you lose a job in the last six months? Did you get divorced? Did you have a death in the family? You know, um, Mr. Mike, uh, the, the Mr. Mike saga, which happened years ago, um, uh, this, this radio show host by the name of Lam Lamphere gets this old guy on the, on the TV. He's talking about Sasquatch in his, in his backyard, backyard Bigfoot. I remember us calling that and the Sasquatch climbing all and mama was getting mad at the babies for climbing up the telephone pole. And then he made a comment about it was worried about them hitting the branches on the way down. And then we were like, branches on a telephone pole so we knew there was holes in the story there two guys went out uh, on behalf of lamb lamfair turns out the guy lived in the middle of the town and the guy was just completely imagining everything he was seeing but you look at the guy's background he is a 70 year old guy taking care of his 83 year old sister who's an invalid and he's living there by himself he has she doesn't speak has no con so he's there by himself and the only time he gets a break sometimes is if his daughter comes over to watch her so he can go to the store and pick up groceries for his dying sister. So, hmm. you know, there is the, yeah. there is the brain matter and the loneliness and the boredom working at somebody. So was it malicious? No, it wasn't malicious. And that's why you got to be very careful about stuff like that because most hoaxes are not malicious. There's somebody that has either a psychological need or psychological illness. And most of it's psychological need. I need to feel important. I need to feel special. I'm bored. I need to belong to something. I'm not. And that's how that all propagates. So when you, once you get past these four, these first three steps, and one of the things too is taking the initial report. Remember, if you're, you want this stuff via email, you get a, an IP address to an email. So check that IP address. Where is that? IP, is the IP address, is the area code they're calling you from, is that all consistent with this Bigfoot report? 
You know, it may all seem, it may all seem like a lot of work, but it's really not. It, okay. when, once you get the process down, it's really quick. You know, can you write me a written report? Yeah, sure, no problem. Boom, boom, boom. So you, you, you're getting it done. Then, okay, you get it. Oh, can I call you quick? Yeah, can I record this? Okay, so what happened? Blah, 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 blah. Done. Half hour, you're done. You get the the face-to-face -face interview doing the same thing. So it, it, it really happens quick. So if everything's matching up, then you move on to step number four, which is the on-scene investigation, which is the recreation of the timeline. So many times people say, oh, I had this roadside crossing. Okay, where were you coming from? Well, I was coming from point A. Did you make any stops off? Well, yes, I stopped off at point B. I, I got some 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 cigarettes, and I, I, I filled up with gas, and then I went to point C, which is where I saw my Bigfoot. Then I went on to point D. Okay, what was the time frame between all that? Then drive it yourself. Figure it out. Make sure it works. Because if it doesn't work, there's a problem. Right? Deploy any necessary... If, if it's a site where there's people, deploy any necessary equipment. Do your field investigation. Collect any evidence. That you got to submit out. Then follow up investigations as necessary. None of this process should be... Now, obviously, if it's a roadside crossing, it's going to be a little more concise and really not that much. You're going to go there. You're going to look around. Okay. And then boom. Okay. Everything seems kosher. We can put this out. But incredible times like people coming up with, you know, pictures or photographs or FLIR or whatever audio that needs to be worked up and that needs to go to the proper people. Really important. It goes to proper people. I agree. And when it comes, let me ask you real quick, Steve, sure. uh, just on that point. And when it comes to like any kind of uh, photographic or thermal like video, even um, I, I think the most important thing <coughs> is the transparency or at least one of the most important things, transparency, being willing to be transparent about your metadata. Because oh, absolutely. That, that That's why it solves a lot of it's photoshopped. It's this, it's that here's right. the metadata. This is what the camera saw. Right. You know? And that's why it's crucial. It's crucial for people to send you evidence, not on Facebook, because Facebook compresses everything. Right. Facebook, the, the you know, video, it uh, doesn't matter. If you're going to give me audio, you're going to put it in a Dropbox account. And I'm going to get the raw video. If you're going to send me a photograph, you're going to send it to my email and you're not going to send me your, your, your only your your uh, your enhanced photos. You're going to send me the original because we need the metadata. Yes. The metadata will tell you a lot. I use a, a site called Photo Forensics, so begin, uh, starting I'm with an F. I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Um, that will give you your metadata. It, we can also run something called an ever-level analysis test, which will tell you if it's a layered picture. Hence, that's how I busted Todd Standing. I got the picture from the Edmonton Sun, mm -hmm. the actual newspaper. And uh, before the blinking Bigfoot actually blinked, he was putting it out as a photograph. And that photograph was actually taken with a Canon uh, camera. I forget which model number at this point in time because I don't have the, the information in front of me. But then I ran it through. I had all the metadata when it was taken, what time it was taken, what, what the, the, the ISO rating was. And all the, 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 the camera settings were set on something that was supposed to be indoor that wasn't moving very fast. That's what the metadata told me. Well, you wouldn't do that in an outdoor photograph for a Bigfoot. And then I ran it through the ever-level analysis test, and lo and behold, there was some foliage layered in front, which would explain why there's two layers of focus in it. The creature's focused, and the leaves, in, or the, the the foliage in front of the creature is is in focus too. Which the camera doesn't have two layers of focus. Everybody knows the reason why Bigfoot's blurry. 
because of all that stuff in front of the camera. Right. So, so obviously that kind of just blew his little picture away. And uh, the Stanleys, they don't care. Oh, that's your opinion. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and and that's what you and Fair that's enough. what you get and that's what you get in this. You have to have a thick skin to stand up. Uh, yeah, you have to have to have a thick skin to stand up to people who will give you nonsense. When Stan when the Stanleys argue about uh, standing, they never argue about the facts. They'll make, you know, drive-by statements. Oh, that's your opinion. Well, that's fact. Like they're emotionally attached to it. Right. Well. Invested in it, maybe. Right. Yeah. And it's hard, dude. I mean, it's, look, uh, I I think it does become a matter of cherished belief sometimes or blind uh, blind faith, however you want to kind of put that. And uh, and we all know how that works out. I mean, it's almost like questioning religious belief. Um, and a lot of times um, it is. Well, yeah. religion is a belief, just mm -hmm. like Bigfoot is a belief. And, uh, you know, I always use the carpet statement, just because this isn't real doesn't mean Bigfoot isn't. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but finally, the final step is publication. And that's before publication. You have to go through all the steps, and everything in that little green box is in order. You need to send any physical evidence to third party for verification and analysis. Hey, you know what? I'm going to step right out of this. I'm going to put this to the scientist. What he says goes. Collect the field notes and, and field team debrief. So you're going to talk to your team. What did you see? What happened? What were your feelings? What do you think is going on? Get everybody, you know, even though I may be a, a trained forensic investigator or a forensic interviewer, if somebody's watching me interview them, I want to get their feelings. What did you think? You know, what did you see? How did that person react? Right. You know, collect all the hypotheses and findings and then you 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 put your publish your analysis and hypotheses and any findings you may have. That and only then. And that takes months. A picture comes out today, it shouldn't be out next week. It should be analyzed, reanalyzed, sent out to other people for third party analysis. But everybody wants to be, you know, that I want to be really out there and put it out there real quick. And 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 for the, you know, for the honest researchers, they're trying to, uh, you know, that make this mistake. Like I say, you're skipping all the steps in the publication process and that you can't do. You got to stick with the, the process. The process will keep you safe. The process will justify what you say, you know, and Great. that's, that's really important. And what happens is, is when any one of these little processes is not followed, that opens you up. And, and when that opens you up, you know, for whatever reason, because you have egos involved, people get very angry and defensive and over defensive. And instead of saying, geez, you know what? I never thought of that. Let me go back and check. Mm -hmm. Instead, they're like, what do you mean? And then they got all invested into it. I don't get invested into my investigations. I, the way I look at it is if something is correct and something is, you know, if somebody has a problem with what I do, they better have solid ground on what, you know, uh, on the reason why they think it's wrong. If they don't have a solid reason and they only have an opinion, then that's a big difference because everything I try to do always has some piece of evidence attached to it. You know, yeah. Whether it be, again, Standing, Dyer, Biscardi, Linda Newton-Perry, uh, that knucklehead from uh, Ohio, uh, Salt Fork, the two knuckleheads from Salt Fork State Park, the Squatch Master, and uh, this other guy with the Bigfoot Tooth. Um you know, you've got to have some some substantial evidence to combat me with. But normally, 
what happens is you get these trollistic attacks, uh, accusations of jealousy, accusations of not being fair, accusations of, well, you're the reason why nobody ever reports a Bigfoot sighting. No, that's not true. You know, <laughs> um, so you you have all these different uh, different things. So, wow, and, and, uh, yeah, true true objectivity uh, is what you're talking about, which uh, is music to my ears, bud. But well, to me, has- well, to me, I'm an investigator, so yeah. I take everything on a case by case basis. In, in the summation of things, I can say, you know, uh, I'm very confident we have something going on in the United States that's. And something that we call the Bigfoot. Yeah, it's a but, colloquial but it, name for it. Right. Yeah. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, you know. Um, I, but if I take everything case by case basis, and if we can get this case, which this kind of looks kind of shady, and we start digging and digging and digging and digging, and all of a sudden boom, we get all these, these negatives, and, and we can put an end to it, to me, that's a job well done. It doesn't matter. Okay, I'm kind of bummed that it doesn't, it doesn't prove Bigfoot exists or it doesn't, you know, further the cause, but I'm satisfied that we've solved the case. And that's as an investigator is what I want to do is on a case by case space, close the book. Again, that's, I mean, that's, that's true objectivity. So, right. um, Yeah. More, more of that, more of that. um, I will advocate for always, Um, which is a big part of why you're here tonight. Um, So thank you so much. Like, dude, I appreciate that. More than you know, um, you touched on some very important things, you know, that we've been discussing and uh, not just not just in the past week, but for a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Or even further. Um, So, yeah, we're not. And and I know on on a particular topic, you and I got kind of heated a little bit over something, but it it was it was the after party. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, we yes, we've had disagreements. (laughs) Yeah, we've had disagreements. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. And because you believe a certain way doesn't mean I don't like you. I just want you to open your eyes to the possibility. Yeah, that, sure. That's that's the thing. I want you to start thinking well, it a little differently. Yeah. It, pro- it definitely provoked thought. And that's that's that, what I yeah. want. Even I on my own stuff. I You know, yeah. if somebody came up and said something to me that was profoundly, like, changing on my investigations, yeah, um, I would say – Okay, let me that 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 gives me a chance to pause. Hey, wait, did we get this wrong? Because I'm all I hey, I've corrected myself many times in the past. You know, I'm not perfect. I don't I'm not a hundred percent right all the time. Uh although I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. Um <laughs> but um but no, no, no. You 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 gotta have that 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 ability to be flexible sometimes. I agree. And, and in a couple of my, you know, one particular uh, thing, and it's the funniest thing that really frustrates the, the snaggle out of me is on the New York Bay. They call it the New York baby video, which is what I coined it at first, but right. Um, you know, I've kind of changed it back to the prison video, even though Doug is kind of missing in action right now. We don't know what happened to him. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find him, but, even as a private investigator, I haven't been able to find him. Um, um, he was there for so long, and then all of a sudden, he just fell off. Um, but uh, you know, there was there was somebody trying to say, "Oh, that's an antenna on the back of the car." Well, wait a minute, there was no wind speed, so how can you explain all that motion from there to there? 
right now. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like that is the most I've looked at this thing. Nobody has spent more time than me looking at it frame by frame. And I have the frame breakdown on my computer of every single frame. So that gets a little frustrating when people try to come up with these great ideas, which, you know, at the beginning, if they came out in the beginning, I would have said, eh, okay, let me, let me take a look. But the fact is, is that I put hundreds of hours into this thing. And no, it's not an antenna. I know that unless an antenna swings between trees. Right. And behind certain things. Yeah, so, you're yeah. you're a man, you're a minutia guy, and uh, and those details matter. Uh, they they just do. When well, Doctor Meldrum said to me once, "The devil is in the details." Yeah, and uh, every single case, for and against. And with that, I'm going to bring the guys in. Yay! They've been waiting uh, patiently. God, I could blab all my yeah. Uh oh, there's Carrie there, Steve. Oh, how you doing, Steve? You know there are too many Steves here. I'm going to go by CC. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, CC? What's up, guys? Hey, Brent. Up, hey, Patrick. Hey, good stuff, Steve. Uh, oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, hello, I mean, that's, uh, that's great stuff. Well, we try. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can tell you put a lot of time into it, and you have the experience to know what you're talking about and good ways to investigate the subject. And and that's something that you know is really I think needs to be discussed more and and applied to the subject. For, for too long, this has been going on too long. Oh, letting things slide. Uh, social media was a great uh, avenue and a sedgeway for people to put out, uh, you know, incorrect information or pseudoscience or, you know, we, we got people running around in the woods now looking for stick structures instead of prints and actual tracking like a train tracker would. You know, that's, you know, I'm not looking for strict, strict structures stick structures mm -hmm. i'm looking for those tree breaks or something that big that had gone through something mm -hmm. but people are oh there's an x over there and then the next thing you know they're off the track or off the trail yeah so yeah down a rabbit yeah. hole that uh you know takes them on the side road and and you know who knows where that goes yeah yeah i've, yeah. <clears throat> I've had it that would, happen though Guy, guy with the camera's like, hey, why don't you just come over here? It's easier. But I'm on my hands and knees under the brush tracking and filling the imprints in the in the terrain as I'm crawling up this 45-degree hill through brush and briars. And I'm like, but they went this way. Yeah. So. Well, you know, the, the and part of it, I think, is laziness. You know, people just want to go out there and be a Facebook star, a YouTube star. And, and instead, they're not looking at the tracking books that I got and reading that and finding minutiae. So if you see something, you take a picture of it. Don't say nothing about, well, I don't know what this is. Let me, let me get my books out in case I don't, you know, you gotta be your, you gotta be, you gotta be objective. And, you know, if somebody wants to go out there and be that superstar, uh, the objectivity is, Oh, I got to put this on Facebook. You know, they're out there in the woods. Oh, here we are on Facebook live. Look at these tracks. Look at these six structures. Because they're too quick to get on the Facebook, or they're too quick or to get I on the YouTube. Stick break. It must tracking. be Bigfoot. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, tracking, you have to be humble, and at the same time, very confident in your skill set as well. Yep. Speak up, Patrick. Sorry. I said, as a tracker, you have to be. Uh, you have to be humble, but you also have to be confident. You know, in your uh, in your skill set, because you know I, I get you know I get called out by a landowner. Hey, I need, I want you to come track for me, and 
And, uh, and I'll, you know, I'll track for anybody for free, but I got to know the person and trust them and what their, what their mindset is, what their end game is, you know, tracking yeah. for them. But, uh, cause I'm not going to track something down for a pro kill, you know, I agree, but, uh, yeah, I've been on my hands and knees. I've been on my hands and knees crawling through the brush. and like, why are you taking it that, that way? I said, because this is where they're at. This is how they went. I, you know, and, and if I get off of it in the park, I might not find it 15 yards later. Yep. You know, the other side of the brush. You know, I want to stay on it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I... You play well, dog. Well, I, I, I tell her. Go ahead. Now, one of my most interesting uh, calls I got, I talked to a guy for a couple of years who was just... He was just awestruck. He was in the middle Adirondacks, and he was a tracker. He said, now, I'm saying it's Bigfoot. I don't believe in Bigfoot, but I'm going to tell you something. Something came through here that I, I tracked it for like three miles, and then I lost it. I don't know how I lost it, but I lost it. He goes, but this thing was bigger than a moose, and that's the biggest thing we got in the woods here. Mm-hmm. You know, something is bigger than a moose, taller than a moose, and I tracked it. And I've been a field guide and a tracker for 30-some-odd years, an older guy. He goes, I can't figure it out. <laughs> so, you know, he's, I'm not saying it's Bigfoot, but and those are the kind of things that really uh, strike me and, and, and feel, make me feel confident because then like, okay, I believe this guy because he's not looking, he's not saying it's Bigfoot, but he's not even sure he's a believer, but he knows something big went through there and wanted to give me the information. So, yeah, that's interesting. Although another side of that from from a different direction from the social media standpoint, I'm not sure it's Bigfoot. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. What you Question think mark. doesn't matter. <laughs> what do the facts say? I love right. your investigation matrix. It really applies to really anything you want to look into, metaphysical, parapsychology, mm-hmm. everything. Yep. Follow those steps. Yep. Uh, it's so crucial and where people go wrong, people go wrong is they skip to the publication part. You know, I, you know, I sat on the Pridgen film, AKA the New York baby video. I sat on that for six months because I sat there and, and watched it and watched it and made phone calls and talked to witnesses and went back and re-interviewed the witnesses to answer any questions I had. I checked for, you know, zoo escapes. I checked the laws. I checked, you know, I, I talked to the property owner, done a whole a whole bunch of things before I was okay. I'm confident confident enough to put that out. Same thing with the New York baby and the Vermont trail cam photo. You know, the the big contention there. People, well, it's an owl. Well, I think we're looking at pareidolia there. You know, it, you think it's an owl because somebody said it's an owl, and unfortunately, Frank was saying, well, I took it to the biologist. He said it was an owl. So now you're thinking owl. And you look at it, it's an owl. But then you start looking at the fine detail. But what's that? And what's that? And what's that? And why is the shadow so close to it? Why isn't the shadow cast if this is something in front of the camera? So what I did was, is okay, we, we did a bunch of tests on the camera. We, we took all the, the, the camera properties. We, we, we spun the weather. We, we do all that. Once we got the correct date and time, then we spun the weather for that time period. Uh, we looked at the other pictures on, on the SD card and, and then we sent it to a, a Dr. Uh, Bruce McAbee, who was a, uh, uh, an optic scientist for the nationals, you know, for the national defense systems. Now he does a lot of UFO stuff, 
but he also debunks a lot of UFO stuff too as being fake. You know, when it comes to photographs. So I sent him, he, he came back with more questions. I sent him all the information about the camera. He even went to the camera manufacturer's website and, and looked at their engineer specs. And then he says, this is on the ground. He goes, there is just no way that this is something flying in front of the camera because you're leading edge shadow. It's called the parallax view. And Steve, if you're looking for that picture, is that what you're doing? No, actually, okay. I, I'm I'm looking for something for another question coming up shortly. Okay. So, in fact, uh, I don't know. I'll you know, I'm going to pop this up for for Pat a second. But you want to see this is um, I'm going to pop this up real quick. But if you Pat, if you want to share that screen real quick, I mean, this is you know, this is the this is what an investigation looks like. You know, we were taking measurements. We were conducting all kinds of tests day and night. We took a, a comparison photo using uh, the camera placement in the same area. Um, you know, we, we, <coughs> we, we uh, any objections that were raised, we covered them. Like somebody said, oh, maybe it's a guy in a ghillie suit. Well, it's not hunting season. So why would somebody be in a ghillie suit in the guy's front yard in rural Vermont? Um and then we have Bruce Maccabee's report, um, and we, we talk about some other questions to it, too. But <clears throat> the other thing, too, is that the one thing that really didn't come out in this particular report was the fact that there had been a, a Bigfoot sighting not a tenth of a mile away from his residence a year earlier, um, as well as a sighting a year after the picture, after the, the, the photograph was taken, there was a sighting a few miles away from in Hubbarding. So, yeah, I mean, everything kind of, uh, everything kind of lined up. So, okay, Pat, you can kill that if you want. So every, everything lined up and that, that's the kind of investigation you, you have to put forth. Um, the, the, you know how many times I've, I've kiboshed a sighting report when I looked at the weather data. Well, the weather data doesn't match at all what you were saying. You said it was sunny and bright, and it, that day it was cloudy and raining. You know, obviously, do you have to, you know, and I always, I don't even tell them that. I don't can ever confront them with that. I normally say, hey, are you sure about the date? Oh, I'm actually positive. And then, you know, if they have a picture or anything and the metadata, it matches up with the, you know, if the picture doesn't match what, what, your, what the weather forecast is, you've got a problem. You know, and those are those are the the evidentiary things you have to overcome uh, either by saying there was a mistake made on somebody's part or uh, there there is uh, objection to say, well, we can't use this. This is not evidence because of this reason. Fair enough. Right. No, I, I definitely agree uh, from, from what I, I caught there. It's, uh, you know, if, if you, evidence just doesn't pan out, then it's, it's not val valuable or valid for, for us to use to go forward. And, and if, uh, you know, uh, that's why it's really important, like you were saying with the details, the details are extremely important. Every little aspect is so important because, you know, we have to ourselves have to vet this uh, evidence out. You know, we might not necessarily know the person, so we, you know, don't want to just take somebody's word for it. And, and we want to know for sure. And we have to go through this process, which is a, a general investigation process that isn't being mean to people. It's just trying to figure out what's going on with what's being presented, 
you know, is it valuable for us to use or is it just a story that uh, just stays in the story realm of this, of this subject? And which is okay, I guess, you know, if, if you're looking for stories in the subject, uh, then, you know, that's that's the type of evidence you want. But for, for other people, kind of like us, we, we want to dig down deeper, get those details and really, you know, figure it out and flush it out of, of what's what's real, what's not real, because we're trying to to make that progress in this subject. And, and so it, it's, it's great that, you know, you, uh, you have all this experience that you're able to, to kind of help bring to the Bigfoot community and, and help teach us, you know, good investigation skills. I know when I got into this subject, it was, uh, you know, I didn't have any real investigation skills. It's something that I, I didn't even think I needed actually, you know, I just thought I'd go in and, and go see what people are posting and stuff. I didn't realize that, you know, if I wanted to know who's true or who's not true, I'm going to have to learn investigation skills. And so it's something that I had to develop over time. Sometimes it's a hard knock life, you know, where you, mm -hmm. you get burned, but you learn from that. And, uh, you know, but, you know, as long as people understand it's, it's, you know, when you're trying to not be critical, but when you're trying to vet out information, figure out if it's real or not, that's not being mean at all. That's just part of the whole process of the, when you're right. presenting something to the public. So, right. And, and can I can I pause on that for a minute? Just just for a couple of minutes. Can we address that, Brent? Sure. If you don't mind, because I know you talk about this publicly, openly. It's no big yeah, deal. And, and Pat, just so you know, there are a couple of comments I want to comment on, too, in the chat as well. OK, uh, but I for, just, yeah. real quick, if, Brian, I could, go if I could go over Brent's experience with uh, getting into the Bigfoot world. Are you familiar with the, the what would it be called, Brent? It has if it has a name, the tree what? Uh oh, the Bigfoot tree? Yeah, the Bigfoot tree. Oh, that that was just one experience over many that I've had of, you know, that was a direct experience that I had, one of many direct experiences that I've had. But I, it's also experiences of, you know, coming across it in the Bigfoot community and the Facebook groups of, of these other YouTube channels and, and figuring out that there was kind of hokey stuff and you know, people ended up being not very truthful. So it's not just that tree specifically. That one there gave me the most enlightenment as far as what actually goes on in the Bigfoot community, what right. the process is and, and how people can, you know, get uh, emotionally involved in evidence and people when, uh, you know, when in reality you probably shouldn't if you're looking for, you know, the truth of, of what's going on in this subject. Okay. Well, Steve, are you familiar with the Bigfoot tree at all? I am not. It's the, not. the okay. It's a, a tree that makes a weird knocking sound. Oh, it's, it's the Lori Simmons tree. Okay. Lori, uh, yeah. a little bit. Uh, you know, and I, I've discussed this, especially in cold weather. Um, uh, you know, and uh, like I said, I don't know what the weather weather is here, but I've I kind of try to discount lone wood knock sometime. Mm -hmm. uh, especially when it gets down in, like if you're in 10, 15, 20 degree weather and people are reporting wood knocking and moisture, those, yeah. those track, those trees expanding and, and contracting in the cold make these I agree. incredible yeah. noises like a tree knock. I was like, I, I, I mean, I'm walking to my car in my, and it's pitch black out and it's, uh, you know, and you know, you know, and yeah. it's, <laughs> it's like 10 feet from me and I'm like, I know there's no Bigfoot right there. There isn't. And I live in the woods. Right. Yeah, so, the, Bigfoot um, tree's a, the Bigfoot tree is a little different as far as uh, the. It's a very unique tree. Steve can vouch for that. Uh, you know, he's been up there trying to help sure. uh, collect all the sounds that this tree makes, and you know, it's used for a long time and still currently used as Bigfoot evidence. And 
you know, it's it's not Bigfoot evidence to some people because we see the facts behind it, but it's Bigfoot evidence to some people who who want the story behind it, and yeah. they will fight for that story tooth and nail. And and you know, I think that that's what we kind of encounter for the people who get labeled with that critical thinking, the people who want to find out more uh, about this information that's being uh, presented, which is really unfortunate because we're technically, you know, we're all on the same team looking for the same stuff. We just have to realize that some of us are are more dedicated into finding out what's going out going on than others are. I, I, team, now, uh, I don't like that word. Uh, there is the, a couple of comments that they yeah, want to comment. All right. On. And plus I got, I got Thomas backstage. Uh, can we, can we do both at once? What do yeah, you, yeah. Bring, bring good old Tom yeah. in. All right. There he is. All hey, right. hey, there he is. Hello, Mr. Uh, Steinberg. Hello, Mr. Calls, the Squatch Detective. Great to see you again. Great seeing you as well, sir. Uh, as you notice, I've got the Star Trek uh, technology now. I'm still getting <laughs> used to it. Um, Steve had me as a guest on his show, Squatch Detective, uh, about a year or so ago before I had any of this. And he was trying to balance the... Well, the other members he could see, but with me, he had me on his cell phone. He's trying to hold the cell phone up to the mic because he's talking. <laughs> oh, no. It, it, it went off okay, though. It, it, came, it came off okay. I and mean, the topic was the uh, ridiculous massacre theory. Of oh, ours. yes, yes. <laughs> but, you know, after that show, it was my friends here who said, we've got to get you into the 21st century. It took us so long to get you into the 20, 20th century. Now we've got to get you into the 21st century. <laughs> So, Steve, thanks to you, I now have this stuff. Awesome. So, you know what that means? I got to get you back on the show relatively You do. Quick. Yeah. Well, you sure, should. sure. Anytime. Get him on ASAP. Yeah. Yes. The only thing, like, Pat, I don't know how to get on these things without the host sending me a link. I still don't know how to do that. Well, that's fine. I'll send you the link. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and to, the, to the people in the chat who are kind of new to the subject, you know, Thomas is a really good investigator to – to kind of investigate, to to kind of, you know, see his journey into the whole Bigfoot phenomenon, how he investigates it. I think it's a really good way to to to, uh, to go about it. And so just for those who might not be familiar with him, you know, he's, he's somebody that I highly recommend, like with Steve Coles, highly recommend that you, well, you put more time into, you know, learning about him because he's he's got a lot of good information. A lot of I will say this. When I started getting into this 22 years ago, Tom Steinberg was one of my heroes. So, yep. still is, man. Yeah. He still is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're, we're happy. Well, I, I love your list there. You had earlier in the show uh, there, Steve, your list of criteria. And I thought, well, that's a real fancy way of saying stick to the facts and never deviate from the facts. Right. I love it. And well, like that old well, saying goes, the devil's in the details. Yep. Uh, before the show ends, I hope you put that back on the screen again. I'd like to write some of that down. Certainly. Well, I, I can even give you a link to where you can find it. Mm -hmm. no, thank you. Appreciate it. So, Absolutely. Um, so, Steve, what did you want to address? In so there was a, there was a couple of comments, and uh, right. I think they were very valid comments. Uh, I guess Brandy from YouTube. So I think it's important to mention not everyone has the resources, capability, time to investigate a level like this. While respected, some seek answers through social media or help. And while I agree with that, um, the people that I'm talking about necessarily the people that don't do this, that claim to do this. 
So it, it's not those people. Those people are trying to find answers. I understand that on social media where people are just trying to find answers. That's why I think it's very imperative and important that, you know, factual information get put out there and that investigations get put out there that are, are, are well worked. Um, uh, Iron Dogger wrote that not everyone is on the same journey and that should be respected. I agree. But don't put information out there like you're communing with them every week when you're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and I, I again, I respect people's journey. Some people just want to have an experience. Some people just want to learn the truth. Some people don't really aren't invested in necessarily the investigation aspect. I get that. You know, what I'm talking about is the people that claim to be invested in the investigation and saying, hey, I have this great evidence. Well, if you have great evidence and you're putting it out there, what happened 20, 20 years ago was they used to come to somebody like a Tom Steenberg to say, hey, Tom, what do you think of this? And then Tom would take it from there. That's what happened with the Vermont trail cam photo. That's what happened with the New York, uh, the New York baby video. That stuff got sent to somebody that could do the investigation, not just put it out there. Say, look, I got Bigfoot. Yeah, and that's what's going on. Well, you know, uh, and I've said this before on the show. If people used to send uh, poop in the mail to Jeff. <laughs> so, like, hey, analyze this. And he gets a hot, steamy bag of poop in the mail at his university, by the way. But I do want to yeah, say thank you. Thank you, Brandy and Iron, for those comments. They, they are very uh, they are very relevant. And uh you know, there, there is a delineation. So don't don't think that I think everybody that believes this or that is in, in the bad bin. It's because, you know, they're getting their information from sources that should well, know better. Yeah. Thank you for addressing that, Steve. Says. Another hard thing to do, though, in social media, if you're if you're new to this and this is something that Leon's been studying a lot is it's hard to find the people who are actually being serious and hard to find the and easy to find a lot of people who just want to read stories or be entertaining or even make stuff up. Well, no, in other words, a lot and, of and that's people... Something that we need to, Go ahead. Yeah, and, and that's something that I think that we need to, uh, you know, uh, understand more going forward is that, you know, like I mentioned before, not all of us are... Uh, you know, after the stories, we want we want to kind of get to the facts of it, and it's just uh, you know, it's just like I said, it's part of the process. Yeah, and we have to face the, the the absolute reality that so many in the so-called Sasquatch community are basically more like religious leaders trying to push a faith than investigators trying to find an answer to a mystery. Now, that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. There are a lot of people. Let's face, there's a lot of strange people out there, and. Uh, uh, yeah. Inmates running the asylum, and, and they're not really interested whether the Sasquatch exists or not. The whole thing just fills some void in their lives, and they, mm-hmm. they like they love the merry-go-round with the never ends, and uh, it just fills some emptiness in their and with them, and they really don't care if there's actually a living, breathing primate of flesh and blood out there in the woods of North America or not. They just love the, being Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is okay, which is okay. But when it starts to get in way, get in the way of, you know, true investigation of, of you know, really trying to find out what's going on, it, it kind of, that's where the, there's a big issue that I see with as far as where the drama starts 
to happen. And it's just really unfortunate that, yeah. uh, you know, well, <laughs> yeah. hopefully people will understand going forward that, you know, people who do ask those questions aren't necessarily bad people. They just really want to know what's truly going on. And if you're presenting something to the public. Yeah, know, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're basically saying. doing it for is the people who really want to know. And the yeah. people who d don't, well, they just turn to you there and say, hey, <laughs> you need to do some real research or you're yeah. just jealous or, you know, that yeah. kind of nonsense. And then, yeah. Yeah. So just tune that, tune that out and carry on, boys. That's, a, that's, yeah. that's all you can do is as long as you, you're confident in what you're doing, which I feel, you know, critically mm -hmm. thinking about this subject is – is, is definitely a good way to go for me personally because I'm, I'm out there looking for the truth I, I really want to you know help move it forward and uh you know it's discussions like this you know and thank you pat for having this discussion uh you know a uh, continued discussion of of you know really you know a different way of of looking at it different ways of investigating you know uh a good understanding that we need to uh investigate you know all of us that are on this bigfoot journey we're all on our own investigation, so we all kind of need to learn these skills, which Steve Coles posted up a little earlier in that in that screenshot there, and which is a perfect way to go about it. Yeah. Nikki has a question for me. I think we should, if you want to pop that okay. up. We'll do that, and then we'll, we're going to start adding more people. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to bounce out here. I and yeah, question. yeah, I know Brent's got to go soon, so. But it says, don't you believe if you have video or pick that need any kind of circle arrows or even pick enhance really shouldn't be shared. Do you do a full investigation on a shitty pick? Uh, it depends. Um, question number one is always, did you see it? If somebody hangs a picture of a blob squatch, but they had an encounter and they saw it, you know, obviously I want to research it and that I will share. Hey, listen, they saw this. Here's what they took. It's not evidence. It, it just really doesn't prove anything, but they did get a photo of what they physically saw. If somebody's yeah, just do taking the whole investigation, right? Yeah. You do the whole investigation. If somebody's just taking willy nilly pics and say, Oh, look, I got a Bigfoot here and here and here. That's the kind of stuff that, that shouldn't be shared. You know, I think there's a difference when you actually have a witness behind the camera that's seeing it and is trying to take some sort of picture. Yeah. There so, mm -hmm. there, there's an essay that I'm working on that'll be coming up, hopefully within the next few weeks, that talks about evidence and, and, and what evidence is. This is something that Patrick Vaughn has asked me about a couple of times, and I think it's worth getting out there. And evidence isn't just found. Evidence is something that emerges from the investigation of the pictures and the samples and all of the, the traces around a sighting, evidence is produced by investigation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, that, 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 that uh, is, uh, rings true to Steve, I'm sure. Yeah. Go ahead, bro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, again, it was good talking to you guys all tonight. Right. And uh, Pat, again, great job on the show, Steve. Awesome, Steve. Awesome, <laughs> Patrick. Awesome, Thomas. Awesome. It was great talking to you guys. I'm going to uh, go out. It's, it's a date night tonight. You know, got to keep that good balance in life. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I'm, but I'm going to kind of keep listening as much as and as long as I can. You know, so uh, keep up the good work, guys. And it was, it was a life, pleasure talking to you all tonight. That's all right. right. We'll see, you, Brent. Okay. Right, right, right. Have a good one, Matt. And with that, uh, I'll just 
fill his void like this. <laughs> and, uh-oh, it's Leon. <laughs> Leon of Sasquatch Okanagan. You bet it is. <laughs> Slash Bigfoot for the American friends. <laughs> And he's not wearing a hat tonight. I know. Well, I noticed that. I wanted to balance it out of it. See, the two guys in the middle have hats. Where's the horse? And this way, this way we get to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah, hang on. Exactly. Except for Pat. <laughs> See, Pat See doesn't Leon. do that nearly enough. He's still got something up here. Yeah. yeah. For now. God. Yeah, I wish. Pat, do I, you I, have I, kids? It worked out well that well, uh, you had such a You have kids, people. Pat? No, I don't. That's why you have hair. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I haven't, had, I haven't had hair like that since the seventies. <laughs> two, two chihuahuas. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, hey, hey, Leon, welcome to the show. Yeah. I, how, uh, did you, how did you hack your way into my show, dude? Uh, technology. Yeah, that's what it is. Actually, it's a portal. It's a portal uh, laptop, actually. It works really quite unique, as you can tell. So you might want to investigate how to do it. you got a self-portrait out in the shelf over there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where'd you get that portal laptop at? Because I need one. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally Uh, Patrick, Patrick, I hear you trying to talk, but you seem to be breaking up a little bit and jumpy a little bit. Yeah, your mic's really low too, buddy. I can hear you. Oh, I can hear you now. What were you just saying? I couldn't hear you. Oh, he is choppy. Um, I was uh, asking. I was asking Leon. Okay, we're losing them. We either get picture or voice, but not both. (laughs) I don't think Patrick Vaughn is real. Yeah. I have questions. Patrick's got to pull the string tighter. GI <laughs> Joe, the original uh, one. BRB guys, I'm going to work. I'm going to work on bringing in the mystery guest. Oh, okay. Oh, the mystery. <laughs> it's Todd Standing. No. <laughs> I would love it if it was Todd Standing. <laughs> Me too. He's got a new one coming out. Here. It's He's not Todd Standing. He's got a new one coming out. Uh, some kind, some kind of new video we're all be impressed with. So oh, she yes. here we go again. Seconds. Yeah, so, I, I saw some stills of him barefoot climbing a cliff in front of a waterfall. And first yeah. of all, I want to know is why would anyone want to climb a cliff barefoot in front of a waterfall? But okay, <laughs> I guess he, guess he just wants to prove he's he's Superman again, uh, XJTF two or whatever he claims yeah. to be now. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and then Justin just posted that. Uh, what was the uh, that conference where the guy was? What's his name? He's from Russia, I think. First uh, yeah, about uh, call, let's call up a Sasquatch right now and bring him on the panel. Why don't we put him online so we can actually see him talking on the phone? How about we do that? <laughs> idea? You know, yeah. I didn't have the bandwidth for that. <laughs> what happened to Pat's mystery guest? Oh, he's coming. <laughs> Oh my goodness, you got a cough there, smoker man. <laughs> oh, look who's talking, Leon. You're just yeah, but good at hiding that cough. I save that for the morning. Yeah. That's why you boys need to switch to a pipe. You know, it's married to you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, actually, I got a chance to watch the show earlier before I got on here. I got called out for a crisis call, so I, that's why it was late. But uh, 
yeah, it was just really, man, it's refreshing to hear this kind of talk, I'll tell you, especially in a group like this. So, mm -hmm. but um, he's back. Well, there, there are some bad words out there, but they're only bad words to people who can, can't stand up for them. Things like debunking. Debunking is not a bad word. It's just trying to see if the evidence that emerges from an investigation stands on its own. Yep. Hundred percent, and you know well, we we are, we are dealing with big folks, so there's going to be times we can't get a straight answer, uh, and that may be an honest thing. And uh, like I said, tenant number one that I have in my list is keep an open mind, you know. And but number two is remain objective. Keeping an open mind doesn't mean throwing away the science book. Yeah, you know, those yeah. are the, the first two important. Those are the first two mission statements I have. Yeah. Um. You know, and three is is obviously always tell the truth. You know, if something doesn't, you know, if something isn't a Bigfoot, if it turns out it's not big pro Bigfoot, okay, big deal. Yep. You know, we move well, on. Well, Bill Reed in the comment section said it very well just a little while ago. He said it goes beyond that. Some people may legitimately believe they have evidence and they feel they are being called a liar. Many people just don't understand the scientific process. Right. Well, okay. you know, that was a different one than than Pat brought up, uh, which really one of the things, and this is another one I'll be talking about at some point. Science doesn't actually need an explanation. Science is an effort to, for example, <coughs> to take phenomena that are observed, make predictions about their behavior, and use those predictions to produce better results as you progress your investigation. You don't necessarily know how a thing works, you, but you want to observe how it behaves. The Montgolfier brothers made hot air balloons, but they didn't know how they worked. They still knew how to fly them. Yeah. I, I, I see Patrick took time out to feed the squirrels because his signal looks a lot better. <laughs> And I would say this about science. I'll I'll bullet it down even more, even though the point you just made, Steve, was very, very good point. Uh, science is really nothing more than our understanding of the world. So, I mean, science happens. We all do science every day to try well, and understand the world better. Well, let me let me ask the panel a question, and this is going to be a very blanket statement. All right. But then I need to bring the mystery guest yeah. in. When we do investigations... Do we use do we use the scientific method? No, we don't, because we're not scientists. We are investigators, and I've always said this. I can't if I use the scientific method. Who cares? I'm not a scientist. It doesn't mean anything. Right. But if I gather the information, like an investigator hands stuff off to a prosecutor, my job is to collect the evidence to hand off to the scientist and let them. <clears throat> Process yeah. the scientific method. That's yeah, I agree yeah. with that generally. I, I don't yeah. want to overstep my bounds and try to say, well, we use a scientific method, and then people, you're not a scientist. Yeah. So. And right. let them ask you what evidence, what what evidence they need to help you collect the kind of evidence that they need. Yeah. All right. Without further ado, mystery guest tonight, this guy, Chad, will be happy. <laughs> what's up guys hey what's up patrick how are you doing well what's up dudes 
So, are you um, wondering? Are you wondering why you're asked on the show tonight? A little bit. <laughs> Very uh, distinguished Matt, panel. Matt, to be here uh, from uh, Central Florida, Bigfoot. He sent me your video from last night's show. Oh, <laughs> that was that was a great contrast between two different viewpoints on your show there. Yeah, flat Earth Sasquatch. Uh, I never heard there's such a thing as a flat Earth Sasquatch guy, but apparently there is out there. Oh yeah, there is. Those <laughs> those, those two worlds, those two communities uh, have a crossover point, no doubt. I mean, I've I've noticed that for a long time now. Um, it, it it caught me off guard, you know. Uh, okay. It, it definitely caught me off guard last night, and and having Iron Doggers step in um, was was the same race. <laughs> is what it was. You know, yes. I, I saw her in chat, and she wanted to come in, and for her to want to come on, she had something to say. So I was like, "Bring it, <laughs> please." Yeah, I could, I could, I I, I kind of could tell that that was her first time ever. Uh, uh, confronting a, a flat earther, like live on air at least. Oh no! Well, maybe that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but she's she's not she's she's familiar with the subject. Yeah, it's uh, they're 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 actually very clever. They know how to. They're really good at giving you twenty fires to put out at once. So it, it, once you learn their sort of tactics of doing that, you can like take them on differently. I've been. I've been I've been on flat earth debates. I've watched a lot of flat earth debates. So you're saying they're skilled arsonists of the truth? <laughs> uh, basically, I mean, boy, you can't just you can't distort the reality and truth more than taking a fucking globe and making it a flat plane. I mean, that's that's 180 degrees in the different direction of reality. But they do it, and they they they're actually quite clever. Not to be underestimated. Yeah, that was my first time having to deal with uh, that subject at all. Um, I, I do have a moderator who, who's been waiting for that to happen, but she wasn't there last night because I know she would have jumped on and you know been on that subject like white on rice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he, dude, he you notice, bro? He never gave up. I mean, no, he, no. to the very end, he's and like, I, hey, I'll let you guys go, but, you know, it's all about what you have in your heart and the whole spiel, and then he left the show. I mean, he he, I mean, he never let go, and they never will. Those those guys will never let go. You know what's funny, though, is I, I had the opportunity. Like, I, I saw in chat where people were starting to get a little, I don't know, annoyed, but they were ready to leave. And I don't know if anybody did. Yeah, you know, maybe a few, but it was sort of like a train wreck. You couldn't look away, you know. <laughs> it, it always is, yeah. It was sort of a morbid curiosity of what the hell this guy was going to say next. Yeah. And uh, it was yeah. it was great, though. You know, hey, I, I love the way it I turned lost, out. And very great. I lost my wiffle ball. Now I know where it went. Went off the earth. Right off the side. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like that. The phrase: uh, "If the Earth was actually flat, everything would be knocked off by our cats off the side." Yeah, <laughs> where all the, that's where all the missing socks went. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's that's a hilarious meme. What oh. I thought was funny when I was watching your video was how you realized what you had on the show and how you were trying to negotiate what to do with what you had. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> how could how could I not let 
him just go. I mean, yeah, that was that was priceless. I had to just go. Oh, <laughs> have at it. Well, well um, always, we're getting off I'm the topic a, here, but uh, I got to ask you. I didn't see the show. I, I assumed it was about the flat Earth theory. No, no it's, we just well, came it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it was uh, a little it, bit it of everything up. came up. I, I was and, just, and I was just wondering how. Off. How they explain the photographs of the Earth taken from the Apollo missions? Did that what was was the disc put, turned I, I, on its side? Tom, Tom, oh, that's easy. Yeah. They're just fake. Oh, yeah, yeah. His whole, he he oh, had a yeah. whole thing to, with NASA yeah. where they have an answer know, for everything. NASA. I was, um, yeah. I was definitely. I, I'm <laughs> no. always disappointed when I get on top of a mountain and I can't see the Eiffel Tower because I've always wanted to see it. <laughs> Good point. I I have to admit yeah. I was particularly entertained by. Uh, the Walt Disney Company company working with the Nazi SS. Yes, to uh, to destroy the wall, uh, the ice wall on the flat Earth. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. So it, uh, that is what it is. That's at, that's way out there, crazy town. But uh, I don't know, man. Like, uh, what did you? I mean, what do you think of the discussion that's happened so far tonight? Pat, show the picture. Show the picture, Pat. The picture of what? Uh, wait, hold on. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I still want to know why I can't see the Apple Tower. <laughs> because no, I'm, I'm enjoying tonight's discussion. I'm in, in, well, yeah. Well, welcome to the show, man. You're thank uh, you very much. Yeah, I wanted you. I wanted you to be a part of tonight's discussion. Uh, uh, just like, like, sort of on the fly. I, I watched that video, you know, from last night, and uh, and I'm like, oh, but you're an interesting guy, man. You're wearing an ACDC t-shirt. <laughs> like, you kind of talk like me, like. Like, hey man, I want to get this guy on my show, and Leon recommended you, so. You're a big, Thank you, you're, you're a Bigfoot guy. You're, you're, you, you do that stuff. So I don't know, man. What are your thoughts? I just got into the Bigfoot stuff. My, my, um, my experiences are paranormal. Okay. Um, but I, I figured, I, and I started listening to Sasquatch Chronicles and got into, I got hooked. Um, so I, I figured if if I believe in the paranormal, and I know that exists, why I should give flesh and blood a chance, you know? <laughs> so, and, and just, you know, listen to all those stories. I was like, you know, no, all these people can't be lying. And if one person is telling the truth, it exists. Got something. Yeah. So, so yeah. And then, and then I, um, I started to do some, some research just a little bit, you know, back in Arizona. Uh, I'm in Florida now. Uh, I just did the, the expedition with Carrie Arnold, um, about five weeks ago, six weeks ago, whatever it's been. Um, and that was a great experience. You know, I learned a lot about myself and, um, I really enjoyed the, the whole process. And I was actually, I was up there yesterday. I went up to that property that we did the, the, the expedition on. Um, cause I'm trying to, there was, there was, a some lights that were seen up there and I think I have it figured out. So I'm, you know, I'm going up there to try to, you know, debunk it. Um, mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I have to go back up, 
it's about two and a half hours away from here. Um, but yeah, I have to go back up again. And I, my, my tripod wasn't tall enough. <laughs> you know, it sounds like an excuse, but I couldn't, I couldn't get above the weeds to, to film what I wanted to film. So I did the best I could, but there were a lot of pigs around. Um, so we didn't, we didn't stick around, uh, too late because the pigs were getting active. Right. Okay. So you, I guess you have a sort of a theory in your head that the, that those lights are in a fixed position. And no, they're moving, but they're on a road. I think they're headlights. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Well, that's interesting. So you're investigating. Absolutely. Which has sort of been the, the theme of tonight's show. Yeah. I'd love to help you debunk that if you can give me some map coordinates sometime. Um, I'm not at liberty to give those out. Um, this is an active search area that, like, you know, uh, Bigfoot Odyssey is using and other, other you know, it's not my, my information to give out. Um, Very well. Just for respect for these yeah. other researchers. Yeah, yeah that's understandable. Yeah. I, I, I definitely know what you mean. You know, but yeah, thank you though. Um, yeah, no, the, the lights people see in in the woods are one of the interests I have to look into, and all of the the Bigfoot areas that I've been looking at around here, they don't have the lights. They have they have the trees falling down in the night, sticks breaking, things like that, but no lights. Patrick, well, if you if you have lights like what. Uh, you, when you were live, I watched your live show, Moggs, loved it. Uh, and you were talking about the lights out there. If it is cars way out there past the forest, you know, you'll see it, you know, behind stuff. You know, there, there should be something yeah, in but, video. Yeah, but the way it's laid out, um, when you look at it from a satellite view, the direction that we're looking in, and it, there's there's trees, and it opens up, and then... In a direct straight line, about five miles away, you hit a road, but you're going straight down the road. You're not looking at it from the side. You're looking like head on. So you're going to see something coming at you for an extended period of time. You know, it's not, it's not, you're not watching it go by. You're seeing it come at you. Okay. That angle. Yeah. Yes. So, so it's, that's so it's that's why I feel strongly there. about this. Yeah. So the earth, so the earth is flat for at least five miles. Then. At least, you know, <laughs> maybe five and a half. It's flat, you know. Uh, and then it doesn't even dip down; it goes to the left. Maybe, maybe it. actually, it's a square earth. <laughs> oh, there you go. Maybe it's a square. <laughs> We're a big cube. Are they always white lights, or do they sometimes see red tail like lights? <laughs> see, that's the thing. I, I thought about that too. But they, they claim that there were. I mean, I've seen the lights. Um, I saw them last night, but mm -hmm. filming them, I couldn't get a steady picture because I wanted to shoot from the tripod, not touching the camera. You know, because um, everything was too shaky. So. Um, I completely forgot the question. <laughs> and we, were, we were just talking about the situation. Well, are, are, are the lights oh, sometimes white, sometimes yellow, oh, colors, sometimes yes. red? They do change. Um, uh, they twinkle blue and red, but I think it's majority of it's a, a white. Moggs, I, um, I have a quick question for you. Shoot. How's the cell phone reception in the area? Actually, it's good. Okay. So 
if there's somebody you can team up with, put them up on that road. Oh, I plan to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. There, I was there were only say, two yeah. of us there yesterday. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, that's in, that's in the making. I have this whole thing planned yeah. out. And, and just have do it a it's few just times. Getting, yeah. it's, it's logistics and getting... Yeah. Excuse me. Oh, I'm going to cough. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be experimental evidence. <laughs> no, experimental evidence is when I try a new whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm experimenting right now. Um, yeah, so uh, from five miles, uh, just to like uh, CC, uh, the taillights wouldn't, uh, they would not be as prominent as headlights. Headlights are way brighter. From five miles, you might would have a hard time, even in darkness, picking up taillights. But headlights, you could definitely see from five miles. But you would definitely be in a slightly elevated position because of the curvature of the earth well, but it's not much, how dark not much also yeah. remember pat at that distance two headlights merge together and appear as one light exactly. it would yes i agree yeah well um are you doing this at night as you <clears throat> as you witnessed it before or are you going to have someone go to that road with a spotlight and shine back to you and try no to we're going to I need somebody to go and drive that road. Um, it's a heavily traveled road, um, but I need them to go like that, maybe six miles down the road, turn around, come back, and you know we'll film it, but flash your lights or or make yourself known and uh, film it that way. Um, you know, I. I just really, I feel so strongly about this. That's why I'm, I'm actually pursuing this. I'm getting out and doing this, you know, because I, I, I want to. I believe I'm right. <laughs> make sure, make sure your buddy has a cell phone or a walkie-talkie to talk to you with at the same time, so you. Oh yeah, no, you know I, where he is when he when he when he turns around. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's a matter of getting. I want to get on the other side of this. This. Um, it's a tree line or a, a, a hammock of trees. But when I was there yesterday, it was so overgrown. It was almost impossible to get to. Um, and then if I did get through it, I wouldn't have been able to see anything from the other side because it was so overgrown. So next time. I have a question for you, too. Is uh, How did you meet up with Iron Dodger? Is that that's Iron Dogger? Yeah. Iron Dogger has been, um, I've known her from chat, you know, in, in different uh, channels. And uh, I, I became friends with her and some other people that were, were closer to her. And I, I learned a lot about her. And, you know, I, I was very impressed with her, you know, and I really wanted her to come on and tell her story. And she, she promised me she would come on. I'd be her first interview. And sure enough, she... She, she, she came through, you know, it was last night. She saw her opportunity to, to make good on a promise because this coming up Friday, she's going to be on Bigfoot Odyssey. <laughs> so she had to slip me in there beforehand. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, and I'm glad, I'm thrilled that she came on and everybody got a chance to meet her. And because people got to see a different side, if they watch her videos, She's nuts <laughs> in, a, in a wacky, fantastic way. Yeah. But given what she's going through, you know, 
and everything, you know, be as wacky as you want to be. Yeah, and is she is she still living in Alaska or is she? She still lives in Alaska. Right now she's in Oregon. Right. And does she do, she was talking about that she, uh, she doesn't do triathlons. Does she do uh, skidoo? Oh, I can't remember what they do. Yeah, uh, a snow machine or, or you know. A, a Race of 2,000 kilometers or 1,000 kilometers. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Iditarod? It's no, not the Iditarod. It's a, it's a snow machine race, oh, not a yeah. dog sled that's race. That's right, that's right, right. So hence the name Iron Dogger. Yeah. And then um, she came across those tracks. That's what it was really neat too. Is her, she has a very interesting story for sure. Like oh, I yeah, I there's we didn't, we didn't hear anything. I, I know she has a lot more to tell. Um, there she is. She's in jail. Yeah, here. Yeah. Because I have much love for you, mugs. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Thank you, Iron Dog. Um, really, and and you know what? Doing this. The people that I've met, you know, everybody here, you know, when I'm in chat, I, I kind of play a Russian roulette by letting, I just put my, my link in chat. Anybody wants to come on, click the link. But, oh, I like that. I like that. Oh, yeah. No, well, that's what I do. <laughs> and it's not really a Russian roulette because I trust everybody in my chat, you know, and what's what's the worst that can happen? Some asshole comes on, you're gone. You kick him out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could have gotten, I could have removed the gentleman last night, but why would I do that? <laughs> you know. So that did he a, choose? To, did he choose to leave, or did how did that all no. work? There? Yeah, yeah, he, he, I, I, he chose to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I kind of clicked him off a little quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to be rude, um, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, he, he had a, like such a toss salad approach of concepts and ideas from like every spectrum you possibly could have. Been. <laughs> you know? uh, by the way, he's also in chat right now. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> People need to be. You know, we have to discuss. Oh, there he is. So, yeah. yeah. So, if you're interested, it, I do. It was. Have, uh, it turned out well. If, Go ahead. if you're Sorry. interested, I do have a real life situation of the sort of thing Mogion Monster is talking about that we could actually show people on a map. Oh, uh, with, with lights? Yeah. Be I, I go to a, I go to a, what's called a star party, uh, but am amateur astronomers go out and show off their telescopes at a place called Table Mountain in Washington. And people are seeing UFOs there all the time, directly south. And sometimes they're white and going down, and sometimes they're red and going up. And if you, if you find Table Mountain on Google Maps and then zoom out and go directly south, uh, there is Interstate Highway 97 going up a steep hill mm. south of the town Ellensburg, and that's what people are seeing. But in the dark, it's hard to tell where the sky ends and the ground begins. That's true. The horizon gets lost. Yeah. Um, hey, you guys, I have to check out. I just got a, another call that's just coming. I got an address, so uh, I'll right, call man. back if this isn't too long. So. No, man. Glad Thanks. you guys all made it. <laughs> Take care, Leon. 
Take care. Yeah, I, got I got a question for Steve. If we're done talking about lights and stuff, yeah, go go for it. Okay, Steve. Uh, using the criteria you, you investigate by hypothetical situation here, it is October twenty second, nineteen sixty seven. If you had the late Roger Patterson in front of you. What sort of questions would you ask him, and how would you begin your investigation into his claim he just filmed a Sasquatch in Bluff Creek in Northern California? Well, that's a very complicated uh, situation. Well, obviously, there would be people I would have to talk to, Roger, of course, Bob, mm -hmm. getting all their, their information, mm -hmm. so apart from one another. Uh, Al Hodgson, of course, who was mm -hmm. at the store, because they're secondary witnesses. Uh, Aldo Atley. Um, oh, yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and getting the timeline worked out. Mm -hmm. You know, where did you go? What was point A? What was point B? What time did this happen? What time did this that happen? Yeah, um, so you shot the, you, you took a, a, a um, you took the, the film of the creature, and then Bob went up the hill and tried to track it for a little bit. Then you called him back. And then, okay, so you had to collect Roger's horse and you had to collect the pack horse. Then you had to go back to camp. And then you had to pack the horses. Or did you leave the horses at the camp? Because i that's one of the things I have. Uh, they did all this <clears throat> driving, which would have took hours. Did they leave the horses at the camp or did they take them with them? Because it seemed kind of strange if they left the horses alone for an extended period of time in the camp. Um, do all that. Okay, so what did you do next? Okay, so I, I know it gets a little confusing. In some versions, I've heard both that they went to the airport first or they went to um, Al Hodgins first. You know, apparently the, the initial story was they went to Al Hodgins. Roger made a bunch of phone calls. And then they went to the airport, unsure of which airport it was. Uh, I, but I, I know this, but it's gone out of my head. Yeah, I, I think I wrote it down somewhere the last time yeah. you, you, you did mention it. Okay, yeah. so at that point, what did you do? Well, you went back to Hodgson's to get boxes to cover up. Murphy's uh, get, Field, that's what it was called. That's right. Yeah. You went back to, you know, so, I, you know, you would have to, you know, quiz all that and time all that. And then, you know, it, you know a lot of people think that, you know, they want to separate, you know, film from the story. Mm -hmm. Well, without a good story, without a solid story that makes sense, the film, uh, that weighs the film. No matter how good a film looks, the story, you know, basically is going to tell you how that film is. What questions so, would you have asked them about this? Well, with speed. <laughs> <laughs> What speed? Yeah, are you I know, using? right? I wish someone had asked him that back yeah. then. What speed did he have? What speed? That, that's question number one. And uh, question number two is, why didn't you return it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but then, um, you know, so what speed is, is probably the most important question when it comes to the technical aspect of the film itself. Mm -hmm. You know, because that would determine whether or not it's, work. you know, what speed it was actually traveling at well um, you know one, one of the problems with that back then is if you look at the dial in this thing it's 14 frames per second uh, 25 frames per second 
64 frames per second and 64 frames per second. Now, it's a, it's a known fact. This camera was actually discontinued in 64, but there were still a lot of them available. And a lot of them, the, the inner workings were remodulated to, to film at 18 frames per second, but they didn't change the dials. They left the old right. dials on. Yeah. They just changed I, because 18 frames per second was better for outdoor photography in those days. I, yeah, but, and I, I think it's fairly conclusive that it was 18 frames per second. Now, yeah. was the lens on the camera, was that interchangeable or is that... Yeah, you can change, uh, and the fixed lens you can change, but it unscrews, yeah. and you got to screw another one in. Later on, they came out with these so, uh, like movable, movable uh, like adjustable lenses, but that's not what Roger had. He had the, the old, older fixed and, lens. And the audience is thinking because Bill Reed out there added the question: "And what lens did it have?" Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very pertinent question as well. Good job, yeah. Bill. I like that. Yeah, um, and he, he jumped on that right away. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, um, not only that, but exposure and focus. Yeah. Yeah, Roger basically knew how to load it and how to aim it and how to shoot the trigger, and that's about it. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Like, uh, what, do you, what do you guys think of the PG film, Patrick Magnoli? Well... You know, I, I think it speaks for itself. I mean, even without the story, um, I, I think, you know, everybody pretty pretty much knows the, a version of the story. Um, I, I think it's, you know, legit. Um, to me, it's, you know, it's and it's never been disproven, you know. It's never been debunked. It's I think it's a pretty solid piece of evidence. My, my opinion, if if the Sasquatch does indeed exist, I think Roger and Bob film on October 20, 1967, because I can't get the interim member index out of my head. Hmm. Fair enough. And the footprints that it left behind that day. I mean, there were such variants in the tracks as, the, as, the, as Patty sped off, and there was such difference in them from the two that Roger originally cast. I have them here, but I got them put away right now. And uh, what was known as the Laverty track was the, one of the best examples of a mid-tarsal break I've ever seen. But you, you compare that to the, the one that was near the water that Roger actually cast, it was rather flat-footed. And yet they were both, both approximately 14 and one half inches long. But there was such variance in them. One was flat foot and one had a mid-tarsal break. If you look at the line of tracks of the second roll of film, there was huge indication of toe movement and everything else. And I wish to hell that uh, Titmus had or had uh, cast one of those when he was casting 10 nine days later. So. Well, personally, it was just a wives telling a myth till I was 31 years old. You know, I saw the film. I saw the film, and and it was just all hogwash. But then at 31, after having an encounter, and I start looking at it, the more I looked at it, and then it was, it was uh, it was breaking. It was broke down, and it, you could see the muscle tissue moving and flexing as it moved. You could see the facial structures change as it, as it walked and looked back and then turned back forward. 
And after really looking at it, um, I believe that is a real being on film. And, uh, and it has not been debunked. They never can debunk it. Matter of fact, there was a, a primatologist, a doctor, who, who actually uh, debated our fearless leader, Pat, that said, this is a strange film. You know, she did. She admitted she admitted that, but then reserved uh, judgment past that to say it's not enough to convince me of a undiscovered upright walking hominid in North America. And, and I to that I said fair enough. Yeah. I was just happy that she he found it strange and made her more curious rather than what people in the uh, the Bigfoot world are used to which is this eh, you know nothing nothing no it's mis misidentification of bears well it was Move pointed on. out it was pointed out that the way it moved uh you know was a hang-up back then because they did not predict that patty should have those types of traits and characteristics in, in her bone structure That's but true. now but now after uh all the review and and some new findings she is exactly what she should be you know in, in about six different ways scientifically in that in that film yeah there there are big similar type creatures uh, in the fossil record currently so yeah. but St steve in, in your sequence of investigation after you originally interviewed if you had had the opportunity to interview Roger Patterson, at what point would you have gone to the film site? I probably would have been there the next day, mm -hmm. you know, because that that's crucial. Uh, when you, mm -hmm. when you, you know, if you have somebody that has an encounter and okay, you want to get the, the steps like they're the getting to the film site happens the same time. I interview the witness, you know, that that should happen pretty quick because you want to you want to collect that forensic evidence if it's there. Mm -hmm. uh, the first step, you know, when you're analyzing the IP address, you're looking at the validity of the story, the way they wrote it, uh, and then you talk to them on the phone. By that time, you should have a, a fair assumption of what it, it happened or it didn't happen. And if you're unsure, you go, you know, you err on the side of caution. You go to the site. And I always predicate that, that, you know, to, to my witnesses, like, listen, I'm going to come up, visit you, but I'm doing that at my own cost mm -hmm. and my own, you know, I, I don't get paid to do this. So it costs me money mm -hmm. to do this. I take time off and work. So if there's any chance that this is not what you think it is or not what you're saying it is, please let me know now, you know, that way. And you kind of get on their last little and usually they'll hedge at it. Sometimes, you know, there was uh, a video that came out called the Interstate wisconsin video and uh, i i emailed the 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 person who submitted the video and of course it was one of those five second videos and finally i just hit him between the eyes and i said listen this isn't real is it? because he was just coming up with nonsensical explanations and it was just uh, can you tell me more about it oh it was just amazing well that's not what i asked you i said really what was it like well it was just me and my brother out there and we, i couldn't believe it all right listen this isn't real is it? And he says, no, it's not. <laughs> so sometimes you, you, you hit them between the eyes with it. And sometimes they'll just come out and tell you, and you can always, in all of them, you have to get that feel. And, uh, it's a very intuitive thing. When you talk to somebody, 
when you get, you know, and of course I've talked to a lot of people that have tried to pass off things, you know, in the criminal world that I get, a, I have a really good, you know, gut feeling as to when somebody is, um, now, as far as Pat's question about the Patterson film, I'm kind of, uh, I've always, I was very pro, but the more I investigate, the more questions I'm getting. And I'm starting to get into some deep stuff and, and to the point where, you know, I think, and it's kind of funny, this goes back to our conversation we had a year ago, Tom, was I, I think we have, uh, I, I think I may have come up with some of the same questions that MK Davis may have had, but I'm not forlorn to, to great conspiracy theories, or, nor am I, you know, saying, oh, there's some red in the film, so it's got to be this. Um, but I can understand why he, he had some, some confusion as to the storyline of it. Um, but I, I have a completely different hypothesis, uh, but it's going to take a little bit really for me to formulate more of it. Just to clarify, it doesn't involve bodies and no, 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 not at all. Matter of fact, um, it's kind of funny because I, I, I just ordered this book all 500 and some odd pages, wow. uh, when Roger met Patty. So I'm going to delve into the more technical aspects of the film. Mm -hmm. um, because on on the on the face value of it, the film looks pretty damn good. But the story to me, and the story how it was told on October 26 to I believe uh, trying to think who interviewed him. Um, but Todd Prescott's been putting a lot of stuff on there, and there was an interview on October 26, 67, that was done with both Roger and Bob. Yeah, he was a uh, British Columbia Canadian uh, interviewer. His name's got out of my head. Um, yeah, he was very popular up here in the sixties and seventies as a radio host. Um, he kind of had like a Scottish accent almost. Yes, yes. Uh, Bill Reed remembers the name. Bill, well, type it out in the comments there. It's gone out of my head. Um, I know him. <laughs> I just can't remember his name just offhand. Uh, Jack Webster. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jack Webster. Yeah. So you know, what was said on that interview has changed a bit over the years, mm -hmm. and that that of course, being an investigator and being that that person makes me pause. And and I know you know Pat and I had a discussion about this kind of stuff before that people want to separate one thing from the other, the actual film from the story. But you know, as an investigator, you know, especially, you know, doing what I've done in my lifetime, I know there's they, they're both one and the same. They have to they have to be lockstep because if they're not lockstep, then there's something wrong. I'm not saying there's something wrong here. I'm saying that there's there's need needs to be clarification and answers on one side. Patrick. I just have I have a question of. You know, and it's you have a, a great uh, uh, way of investigating, but how is it applicable to actually going into the field and, 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 and finding these things? Because there's two levels of investigation is a, is a different number of sciences. When, you, when you're in the interview phase, you're in the um, witness and 
direct evidence. Uh, witness information is direct evidence. So you're in that direct evidence collection. Um, when you're in the field, that's more of the forensic side of things or the scientific side of things where you're trying to either one, get something to repeat itself or you're trying to collect actual physical evidence. So there are two separate science, uh, sciences. For example, you know, it's very different than getting a person in an interrogation or interview room versus somebody going out to the actual crime scene and collecting the, the blood DNA. There are two separate functions. And what they do is, is that when you're done collecting all of that, then they make, basically make up your playbook. Okay, here's the story you're told. Does the story you're told match the evidence you've collected? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how that goes so, together. I'm yeah, I always remember, Patrick, there's a difference between investigating a particular incident and investigating the subject in general on your own. Right, right. Right. Well, there is, but there isn't. Okay. Because the particular subject can cause an incident that you're investigating, but, mm. um, well, you know, I, I'm trying to add tools that, to my toolbox when I go into the woods. How can I be more strategic? How can I think more strategic as an investigator instead of instead of just a tracker okay, or so, a naturalist? Okay, so I'm going to give you a little thing I, I learned a lot. Like I said, my my big thing in this was psychology. Not only the psychology of the witnesses and and forensic interviewing of the witnesses, but what I ended up doing was, why does a Bigfoot do what it does? You know, why why does it walk off in some cases? In other cases, it acts very aggressively. Or in some cases, it's kind of a mixed bag. Well, what I found out is that the, the more aggressive ones seem to be clustered than the non-aggressive one, the non-aggressive actions. So what I've done is I've, one of the big takeaways when I talk to a witness that I feel is legitimate, what kind of behavior is it exhibited? Is it escorting the person out? Is it screaming at them? Is it, is it, is it throwing rocks at them aggressively versus passively? Or, um, and what it all came down to is primates, the way primates live and behave. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Um, and that exactly there's a book I wrote what would Sasquatch do and it was based on basically primate behavior and when I look at it at a sighting or a, an encounter I don't necessarily look at it uh in the way we look at see I felt that we classify Bigfoot sightings like UFOs almost because UFOs you have cl- close encounter of the first kind second kind third kind well we have this class a you know, Bigfoot sighting, which means you saw it. Class B is this. Whereas I found it was more important. Where you may not directly see it for very long, but you have this audible encounter, and then you're escorted out. You know, those to me, those kind of actions to me are more important because primates, and what I did was I studied how primates live in their behaviors within these certain groups or these certain habitats. And it turns out that primates, including us, including us, have three or four different zones. And one zone is our territory. One zone is our uh, home range. And our other zones are our foci areas. Now, territory is very simply, in our speak, is our homes, right? Our, our property or whatever. Uh, home range is where we may travel to and fro each day. And foci areas are areas where we conduct certain activities, like malls, shopping centers, and schools. Now, what I found is, and in all primates, that 
home ranging, when you're in your home range, just walking down the street, going from point A to point B, you run into something or somebody, your general reaction is kind of a walk-off. You don't really acknowledge much, or you may acknowledge very briefly, and then you just carry on your way. Next, we have the more concise action is your territory. Well, some if a stranger walks into your home or a strange animal walks into your home, what's your action going to be? It's going to be very aggressive. You're going to want to get that thing out of there. Now, you may not, for example, a strange dog walks in your home. You're not going to kill it. You're going to shoo it out, right? A bat. You know, a lot of people don't kill bats. They try to capture them and get them out of the house. That's a primate thing because primates of one species rarely attack primates of other species, but there are cultural differences. Some chimps will attack small monkeys for food. Some uh, African tribes and in, in, in Southeastern Asian natives will kill monkeys for food source, which is a rarity. So that, that is a big uh, behavior linchpin. Then finally, you have your foci active areas. And if you think about it, uh, you know, for a Sasquatch, one area may be a feeding area. Another one may be a mating area. And depending on what's going on in that behavior, and I want you to think of human terms, of you have a mall where it's going to be the same type of behavior you have at, like, the home range. You're just going to kind of acknowledge and walk, walk off and not really pay much mind. But then you have something like a school. And if something walks into a school that doesn't belong there, you get an aggressive reaction like a territory. So it depends on the kind of activity, and it's kind of more of the gray area of the Sasquatch. What, why did it act the way it did? Was it its territory, or was it a foci area? And that's, that's the only linchpin. And, and what you have to do is you have to historically look at your sightings. Well, there seems to be a lot of aggressive stuff going on over here, and there was only one scene, not... Uh, uh, not two or three or four so chances are that may be a territorial thing and what that does is in each one of those areas your home range you shouldn't expect uh, an amount of recidivism in, in in your foci areas you may get a higher rate of recidivism but in your territory you should get a higher rate the highest rate of recidivism and that's where i have my research areas is where those aggressive encounters have been just outside of those areas try to give it some and use their natural curiosity to come over to me uh, because primates are naturally yeah. curious. So what do you think about that, Patrick? Um, it's fascinating. I'm going to definitely, you know, I've broken down uh, different areas and different uses of areas for the species, you know, by tracking them. Uh, but, and so I'm, I'm definitely going to delve into that further and, and to, to use in my toolbox. One thing I can say about aggressiveness is aggress aggressive behavior is, uh, w without it being solicited, uh, it is a direct relation to, or direct correlation to how many is in the area. Because one of them, one of them, you know, even though they can tag, you know, they're they're formidable just alone. The more there are of them, the more brazen they are. So if you if you, if you have someone, someone just walks in and then all of a sudden they have a, a, a huge, you know, uh, aggressive encounter, that's probably because there's four or five of them hiding in the one that's out there showing his tail and, and being aggressive to you because he knows and, someone has their back. And group think, think, think about that mob rule. Mm -hmm. You know, it, that's, a, that's a primate thing, mob rule. So that would make sense. That all fits, actually, within primate behavior. Well, I, 
I have an hypothesis um, just based on 42 years of looking. Um, and I stress hypothesis because there's no way to back any of this up at this point. But assuming the Sasquatch does exist, uh, I think they probably have family groups, um, you know, a dominant male, maybe two or three females and young. And the dominant male tolerates the daughters, but when the sons get to a certain age, he drives them off. And that's what people are seeing most of the time is these uh, uh, lone males traveling, getting bigger, getting stronger, who may someday take over a family group of their own by either killing the dominant, aging dominant male or driving him away. And sometimes when people report a rather sickly one, it may be a former dethroned dominant male that returns to that nomadic lifestyle once, if he's lucky enough not to be killed by whatever drove him away. And that's what people are seeing most of the times because we have here in British Columbia, we've got so many small communities where years goes by without any incident. And all of a sudden for a week to 10 days, several people have encounters and they stop almost as suddenly as they had started. As though one had come into the area, hung around for a little while, and then moved on. Now, I kind of wonder, does that, does that fit in? Like, when you talk about primates, chimpanzees, uh, a troop of chimps encounter another troop, they actually go to war. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but gorillas don't. Yeah. And that's, ra uh, that, that's rather strange. Yeah, mm -hmm. and... And orangutans have this a dominant male with a number of females, and he drives the, the sons away, and they get bigger and stronger, and eventually they'll either find a family group of their own. If they never do, they live their whole lifestyle, their whole lives in that nomadic way. Um, it's an hypothesis. I can't prove any of it, but to me, it makes sense. It, it and it fits within the primate models. That's how right. most primates live. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know the 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 strong the the weaker males. That want to cling on to the troop will, yeah. And the the more stronger ones either get set on their own, you know, and they they go to find or they 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 fight it out. But I remember reading particularly that one species of macaques, although they would get loud and boisterous and angry, would allow a another species of macaques to travel through their territory. But if the same species of macaques came into their territory, it would be an all-out war. Mm -hmm. So that makes perfect sense. Like I said, primates of one species rarely attack, but there are cultural differences. That's why there may be pockets of a fairly aggressive Sasquatch. Um, not saying it's a complete, um, but it's a rarity. I, I think it's it's a it's a rarity, and that that all comes down to just the primate behavior models. Uh, to the left, scratch a little more to the left there, Patrick. <laughs> I'm going to pick his hat off. I'll be his hat. Hey, is, is there some reason all the, 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 the lower trim guys are over here and all the, the guys with the hair are over to the that side? That side. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that side. They're yeah, used. Look at their Goldilocks. Oh, to have hair again. I have that same on my back, but it's great. It looks really fashionable. But uh, well, that's when I go to the barber. I say a little off the back. I mean a little off the back. Yeah, totally. Well, I was this close to wearing my bandana. 
Mongo, what is your first name? I only know you by your your handle. You're muted, brother. You're muted, brother. You're, yeah, you're muted. You're muted. Unmute yourself. <laughs> I'm deaf too, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Russell. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I heard you're muted. I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean by that? So, uh, Russell, how long have you been online with your what you're doing here so far? Um, I started um, a little over a year ago with uh, just doing videos, doing interviews, um, pre-recorded stuff. And uh, about nine, ten, ten months ago, I started doing live shows weekly, two, two shows a week. Um, if you go on my channel, I have about a hundred videos. And what's been some of the stuff you've had to negotiate and navigate with yourself personally? Because you, you obviously are a little bit similar, I think, to us. I mean, we don't know you that well, but uh, I, I know but you. Oh, well, I mean, well, I'm not saying all of us. I mean, I, I've seen him periodically. Some of us. It wasn't for Different Matt. circles. <laughs> Matt, when he sent, me this, he sent me your video yesterday, he says, Leon, you got to watch this one. You're going to love this one. So, yeah, uh, that, was, uh, that was a trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's some of the stuff that you, as somebody who's been in the scene, online scene for a year or so, what's some of the frustrations, I guess, you've seen out there as a, a kind of a new eyes on the topic for the online scene? I, you know what, I, I have a problem with people and, and I, I brought it up on my show a few times and I think I even brought it up last night. Um, I, it bugs me when people talk matter-of-factly in, in, a, in a subject that is pure speculation. You know, don't, don't at least come up and say, in my opinion, or, you know, and that's just a personal thing that bugs me is don't, don't throw it out there like you know. You that's know, fair. Everything. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, just I, my my whole thing is like I, I can't do like ten cryptids at once. I got to figure out one at a time. I've had, like I said earlier, I've had uh, paranormal experiences, so I know that that exists. Now I'm I'm on this Bigfoot, you know, discovery. You can't speak matter of factly, man. Yeah, no, there you no, go. that I know that exists. <laughs> so what's the difference? I know that exists. What's what's the two? What's the difference between the two definitions I've, that you'd be using? From subjective. Well, did, I, did I just sound hypocritical for some? From did I did it come out hypocritical? It um, sounds contrary to what you just said. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I, unless you have proof, okay, then I can't even do that. I, I have witnesses. <laughs> um, let's see. <laughs> Okay, I believe in the paranormal um, because of my experiences, and now I, I have a strong, good idea about Bigfoot. So I want to investigate that and, and you know prove to myself. I'm not trying to prove it exists to anybody. You know, this is really a personal journey, um, and. I, I, I just really want to know that it exists, but in order for that to happen, I have to have eyes on it. Question. Shoot. Mogs, 
if you're hiking that trail and you see one out there and it looks at you dead in your eye and you, there's no mistaking what it is and it walks off peacefully and you come back, are you going to talk about it matter-of-factly? I mean, are you going to say, I witnessed this or I believe this or, you know, because there was a question. Oh, no, I will. I will. Well, this, this is a sincere question is that my question was about a year ago. When do I get to call what I've seen what it is? You know, that was a sincere question because a lot of people are like, well, you can't say you've seen it because you don't have proof you've seen it. But then again, mm. how do I how do I not call it what it what I what I saw? So it, it's a sincere question for me. I'm not, you know, saying anything no, derogatory about anybody's opinion. Patrick, I, I, I may have seen one myself in 2004, but I won't say it because I stick to the facts and I don't deviate facts. I saw a figure. It was about a mile away. It appeared to be jet black in color and it appeared to be walking upright, but it was also a mile away. So I couldn't see details. So I can't say with 100% certainly that I saw a Sasquatch that day in 2004. I can't for life me think what a big, weird, weird looking man would have been there. But, but I can't say it was a Sasquatch because I just simply do not 100% know. Well, that's that is yeah. absolutely respectful there. You yeah, know, I respect yeah. That. But at 12 feet, if you see one at 12 feet, that'd be a little different. You know, did you did you encounter one at 12 feet in broad daylight? Okay, now you, can you imagine? Assuming that the Sasquatch does exist and Patrick saw one at 12 feet, how ridiculous we all sound to him. Still debating whether or not the Sasquatch exists or not to a guy who has seen one at close range, up close like that. You know, people who have actually had encountered, we must sound like fools. Well, I took, you know, I... <laughs> I had a crew that wanted to go out with me. They told me I was full of it. They said, you're full of it. You can't track them, blah, blah, blah. So I take them out and I, I hand them experiences of what, I, you know, what I'm tracking, what I'm finding. And, uh, and, and I completely understand disbelief because it took me three encounters for me to say, okay, I'm not hallucinating. This is a real being. And so I really understand belief and disbelief. You know, it took me f almost 14 years to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm very understanding on things. I saw like, one. I've seen one at a, about 125, 150 feet. Saw another one about 40 feet away. And it was actually a juvenile the second one. So I was only about five and a half foot tall. And um, <clears throat> I, I, I had no problem saying what I saw. Was it always that case, Steve? Or, uh, or more recently when you got more involved? Ah. Uh, well, I got involved in 98, and I saw the, that sighting happened in 2011 and 2012. Oh, so you, the other so one. You, were, you were already into the subject. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's it, it not your encounter long... that got you involved. No, 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 no. no. It, it, it took How about me a you, long... Patrick? When you, when you had your first encounter, were you invo <laughs> involved, or did this get you involved? No, he, he thought he was hallucinating. This hallucinating. Um, Bigfoot never existed. Now, yeah, you understand. I, I'm I'm a third generational tracker. I'm a third mm -hmm. generation tracker. Okay, mm -hmm. I I hunted and fished for my food 
you know, most of my childhood. Yeah. I was in the woods. I, t I would laugh a person off a of fire for even bringing the subject up because they don't exist. Man, they're nuts. <laughs> you know, I'd call them, you know, I call them all kinds of names. But in 2003, that myth chased me out of the woods for a mile and it was 12 feet from me the whole time. So, and that was, now, that was, that bothered me. Now, did I miss you? You said you didn't talk about it for the longest time. Yeah, yeah I didn't. Yeah. I, what was your reasoning for not wanting to talk about it? First off, I couldn't convince myself that I saw what I saw. There you go. Okay. The first time I, mm -hmm. I thought someone spiked my, my, soda and i threw it down on the floorboard and laughed at myself when i was in my truck driving away from this and then um you know armchair researching it and, and having nightmares and not being able to sleep and finally putting it away and then having a second encounter that really got me into trying to debunk it my first encounter into my first my first mission was to debunk them and i was trying to debunk them and i thought that Knox were a a known animal performing an unknown uh, action after dark. Mm -hmm. And I chased that, I chased that for years until 2011. And 2011, we uh, three of us had, were at a fire and had one knock and, and it was Sasha. She comes in and steps in the firelight and looks at us. And I said, okay, you know, my, uh, my hypothesis of this being a known being is out the window they are real they're flesh and blood they're right there we're all looking at it and uh i cannot debunk these so i think the best term that i've heard for it was what meldrum said here a couple of weeks ago which is the word conviction when when you when you had that experience 12 feet away your conviction that these things existed went up significantly compared to someone who has never seen one well my conviction of that i was insane or someone spiked my damn drink with that's what i had well okay sure had. you had but, that moment but you, of but you disbelief. debunked that over time yeah 2011 after the third encounter she steps in my son's there my girlfriend's there we're all looking at it the dogs are going ape crap um the, you know and we get in the truck and we're leaving you know, and I'm, and we're all talking to each other. Did that just happen? Yes, that just happened. And so you have to accept, okay, you know, scientifically, if you can reproduce the same outcome using the same formula, then it, it's not a fluke. And so, you know, this has been reproduced and we produce NOx dozens of times, dozens upon dozens of times. It's just that this was the one where she walked in and I actually saw what walked in out of the woods that was knocking. And I confirmed this is what's knocking and this is her and it's real. And there's no way I can debunk it or get away from the fact of this. Cause if I could have took a magic wand and, and did that and made it Bigfoot's all disappear, I would have, because I didn't want them to exist because they were invading my privacy and primitive well, survival. Patrick, I, I don't want you to go get a magic wand, but I want you to start carrying <laughs> a camera with you whenever you go. <laughs> Okay. It's not. It's not that. It's not that simple. And I'll say this to to everyone here on the panel. Um, you track them to where, and do what when you find them. Like you, you just don't. You just don't run up on a Bigfoot and take a picture of it. 
Uh, or you, you don't have the training to pull out a camera and take a, a perfect picture with a, a, a nice zoom Canon camera. No, you know, that, that, that is true. Yeah. However, and you got to take into account human reactions, human reaction. You want to get a brief sight and you got that few modes of, <gasps> and you, and it may be gone before you get the camera up. But someone like in Packard's case, who seems to have more luck than someone like me who may have had one distance sighting in 42 years. I want him to start carrying a camera. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not. I, I'll say this. I know, but I want him to start hey, a camera. The, the, the first I'll, one I saw, I had a camera in my pocket. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I had Get the camera when that. I had my I'll sighting, uh, possible sighting. I had the camera sitting right on the seat right beside me, and I did bring my Land Rover to a halt and grab it. But by the time I got out, it was gone. You can't. And, you know, it was not the second time. The yeah. second time, I had a reaction like Patrick did. I didn't want, I was like, no, nah, I, I just, you know, I saw the five and a half foot one getting out of my tent, use a tree, one thirty in the morning, and there it was. And my first reaction is like, nah, I, I, I got to be dreaming. I got to be something. And then the next day, all this other stuff was being told to me. And I'm like, okay, this is what happened last night. You know. So. Dude, Go ahead, Patrick. Just hype your thumb. People, let Patrick, you would give me just Go ahead. one moment. Go ahead. It, People have been trying to chase them with cameras on the ground in their environments for 50 plus years since the PG phone. Okay. With almost no luck. I mean, it, it, so what I mean by that is the PG film is, is the gold standard. Nothing has been brought to the table in that time better than that. No, as a matter of fact, that's what we compare everything to. Right. So people have been trying for 50 plus years, running around on the ground, thinking they have cameras, even today with what I would call crappy thermal, anything that's uh, cheap, clear, you know, uh, Casper the Ghost, no definition whatsoever. You, you would have to have advanced thermal, not, 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 you know, not even $1,500. 10 grand is your starting point. Uh, people aren't doing that. <laughs> They're not. But they are running around the woods thinking they might get a shot or they might get some crappy thermal or and, and dudes, the evidence is the data is in. You can't do it. You cannot outsmart them. I don't them. know. No, no. All no. right, go ahead, Leon. Go ahead. Floor's yours. No. The problem is people are not trained to use the equipment like a military person automatically goes to automatic. That's what the problem is, which I've worked yeah. on for five years. Upping? Maybe. maybe. Not maybe. It's not maybe. If you are sitting there and you have a camera and you have all this equipment and you don't ever, you're waiting for the Sasquatch shot and you haven't had, you've had that camera for five years and you haven't taken a shot of a squirrel, a rabbit, a deer, a cow, an antelope, a, a flying dragon, then don't expect that you're going to be ready when you see this thing for the first time, no matter you've been in it for 10 years, you are not going to go to automatic camera. It's like people with weapons in the military. They don't think about getting their gun. They got the gun already in position. It has to be instinctually trained. Yeah, in your but that's a muscle memory. You yeah. have yes, you have to train your body to do that. Okay, how so how about this? How about this? Is a question: Do we need uh, 
uh, hyper-aware professional photographer or a Navy SEAL? Or do we need to combine those two things? Well, I think we just need to understand that our capacities are not like they could have been. Uh, I tell you, if we had uh, one, yeah, one sec there, Stephen. Uh, if, if, yeah, like Patrick. I mean, Patrick it can be calm in situations, especially if he's third generation kind of stuff. Uh, is he used to using a camera? I'm not too sure if he is, but if he can replace it with a, with a camera, so it's like you said, it's almost in your memory of your system to automatically go for it. You're not you're not freaked out about getting the camera. The camera is already actually up on on you. Now uh, we not we have not you know you say for 50 years. Well, if we were from 50 years ago, that imprint would be a little more stronger if we shifted over to a camera instead of a rifle than it is today. So the idea that we are out in the bush all the time and we have all these people in the bush. Most people have no idea what it means to walk through the bloody bush. I mean, they we, we think we do, people but you go, listen, when I challenged you, I said to you, what I want you to do is go to a place camping by yourself right. and walk up the road at nighttime by yourself and take a measurement of how long it takes before your system goes into the willy zone. Yeah. And that's the part you have to get to the other side of. It's, it's instead of like... I agree. Like, from Mountain Beast Mysteries, Nick's from Roskill's Bushcraft, um, uh, Alex. Those guys are used to being in the forest, in so they're familiar with what's natural in the forest. You're still going to get spooked, just like if you're trained in military training, and Thomas knows about this because he was in the military, and so as Nick is in the military, you're going to still get alerted, but your system goes to the training instead of the freaked outness. You're automatically doing that, and so. Yeah, that's the skill level that we if that's just missing. I'm not blaming anybody because we we just don't do that. Uh, I mean, I put myself in situations professionally what I do, and part of the way I do it is by putting myself in the bush where I'm absolutely terrified, because that's how you come back to a relaxed state when you train your body not to go to that zone to be hijacked. So maybe you can make the shot, or like uh, Matt from uh, Central Florida, he has his camera running all the time. He's a wildlife photographer. He right. likes to film all the time. That's what you do. You film all the time. And you get the right equipment, which I'm glad he's starting to show this new tech, these new cameras he has, where it's 4K for far distances. So if you got something on the background, you can pull it right up here so we can still see it's on a blob squatch or you have to circle it or, or whatever. You can see it exactly the same as if it was right me in front of your face, but I'm 200 yards away. And, and that technology, once he starts, and I said, encouraged him the other day, you need to keep showing the style of this technology or these, um, this camera style you use so that people can say, wait a second, this would get rid of all the blob squatches. Everyone who says, I can't get this in zoomed in there, get his, go follow him on his channel, look at his camera, look what the capacity of that camera is. You can't hide. It can go right through these little twigs like this of 200 yards away, and it goes through the twigs, doesn't blur it. And it goes in on the other side and he shows you examples. This is a, squ a squatch that he zooms in. It's not a squatch. Or this is this and he zooms in. It's not that. That's the technology we need. That's coming. You're talking about this high, this drone idea that you want to work with. Yeah, the high-end drones and stuff coming down the pike. Maybe not in my generation because I'll probably drop dead before most of you guys. But um, oh, They're already here. They're already here. Well, I know, but again, it's getting it into the right hands. It's not just that it's already here. It's. I mean, I don't know how many people I know 
on the yeah, right okay, hand. One. There's one in all of North America. Okay, that's going to help the game. You know, okay, we need about 100 of us that know what we're doing. I agree. I agree, yeah. and that's what I'm advocating for. As far and then as the stuff that Steve, or yeah. CC's working on there with yeah. his technology wisdom and stuff. I mean, it's brilliant stuff. It's certainly up, up the game for uh, being able to quadrant out an area, a, a nice chunk of area. So yeah. if they're coming in, uh, it's triggered in a variety of different ways with technology, everything from motion sensors to detection Fair sensors enough. to camera sensors, and they're all connected to each other. And they're small, and, they, and it's not the same thing. Um, yeah. So, well, Russell, yeah. were you going to say something earlier? Yeah, Russell, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm just listening. Russell, his brain on that. Yeah. I, I do have a, a question for Russell Good. because I, I had a similar issue or a similar history is that I actually got in the Bigfoot before paranormal. And, uh, you know, I, I had paranormal experiences as a kid, as did my parents. Um, you know, it was kind of funny to watch that transgression. My mother thought my father was crazy. My father was actually the first one to see something. Then my mother saw it and then it, uh, I thought they were both crazy. And then it and then I'm 15 and I see it. Uh, so w was it was it a hard reconciliation for you that to separate the two? Because a lot of people ask me all the time, how can you separate the two? You know, because there's so many people who think Bigfoot's paranormal. But for me, it was quite well, because I was in Bigfoot first, probably. But how was it for you? How easy was it for you to reconcile that, that Bigfoot was a flesh and blood thing and not something otherwise? I don't think I've reconciled with that yet. Okay. Honestly, I think, you know, it, there's things that we don't know. And fair enough. I, I, don't, I don't think it's paranormal. I just think it's more supernatural, not, you know, it's, it's it might be normal to them, but to us, it's, you know, super normal or supernatural. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so I don't know enough to, to rule it out. Patrick. Yeah. Um, Going back to what we were all discussing as far as, uh, you know, stopping, taking pictures, fumbling cameras, and, and, and what Leon's take was on that is, is, is all spot on. And what I wanted to point out was that this particular, uh, all this uh, testimony to that uh, should be extremely important to people who are going out into the field and to avoid this. You know, don't do what we did. Don't mess up like we messed up. You know what I mean? And particularly uh, Mr. Moggs here, who's fixing to do uh, another, what, 168 here mm -hmm. in November? November. So that's part of why I was trying to pick uh, Steve's brain about tools to take into the field for an Great. investigator. You know, how you know how are we upper game as investigators? Not Not looking back at people. We're looking at this target species in the areas we're in and how can we how can we apply those specific techniques to you're there there's no there's no phone call or or live wire we, where we can uh you know uh do a shout out to someone the lifeline yeah, there's no lifeline there we're yeah. like, here. what tools can we memorize what what tools can we memorize and implement to the situation that would upper game you know, that's just, what I just, was getting at. Yeah, just you know, the way I always say it is that you know they're they they have articulate hands and feet, large brains, forward facing eyes, small snout. It's by definition, that's primate. So learn what you can about primates, how they're curious, and use that curiosity against them. 
Autumn Williams, a long time ago, we used to have some conversations with her, always said, you got to make them feel like they're in control. Otherwise, you're never going to see one, never going to experience one. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that that that's my whole thing when I get out there. Do something, even if it's off the cuff, do something goofy because they'll, they want to investigate. When we hear something go boom, we're all a little animal scamper. But that's why when we, we get around a campfire, don't whisper. Talk. Talk normally. Laugh. Have a good time because that we're their television. I always feel we're their TV. We're their entertainment. Primates need, you know, we have large brains, so we need stimulation. So, well, the key part too is in, in that situation it goes back to the camera situation. What we're talking about the camera situation is all of a sudden you hear something. Don't become quiet mm. because they'll sense that you're quiet. Yep. Stay exactly the same level, but still talk to each other so that th- there's no differential and heaven forbid don't discharge emotional energy outside into the environment from your body because they're going to sense pick that up 25 feet away so um yeah you can't do that now when you're saying well how do you know that leon well because any kind of mammal operates as the same as a toddler does they can sense the environment including through walls up to 25 feet away it's called emotional energy discharge children are when you train dogs or horses if you don't have intent with a feeling of what you're asking the horse to do or the dog, it doesn't understand what you're saying. You can say sit all you want, but if you don't have that sit or come here, you see people with their dogs, get over here, get over here. You know, human beings are the only one, only pack animal that follow unstable pack, uh, uh, unable, uh, unstable pack leaders. We're the only pack animal on the whole bloody planet that will follow an unstable pack leader. That tells you <laughs> You know, so but any other pack animals won't do, or yeah, pack animals won't do that because they look for the most solid. Solid isn't about being angry; it's about being centered and solid and as uh, connected with its own sense of self uh, that it could possibly have. So, always uh, remember Always remember too, if you're getting back to the camera situation, is if if your camera has the ability, have it set to manual. Because you see something in the yeah. 50 feet in the trees and you have it set on audio, it's going to focus in on the close trees. And whenever you're looking at it, it's going to be another blob spot. That's, yeah, that's why I like Matt's technology. I have a question for Steve, not CC Steve, but Steve, I don't know, CC, if you asked him this question. And now, earlier today, I guess on the show, because I was late, you came up with some kind of a uh, standard for yourself in regards mm-hmm. to research. Right, Steve? How did you apply that to the paranormal for yourself, for ghosts and stuff like that? Or what we talked about last time for six hours, by the way, we were yakking. Yeah, that's it there. So how do you apply that with your other uh, ideas of uh, paranormal or ghosts and stuff like that? Uh, it's, It's pretty much the same. You want to look for consistencies in stories. You want to look for you. You want to look at the evidence. You want to pass it around. I mean, um, <clears throat> and then you just do your investigation. I, I mean, you, you take the accounts, and there have been a lot of paranormal cases I've turned down because things don't seem to, you know, jive. Um, sometimes I'll lay a suggestion out there, and I'll see if they'll bite on it. Um, you know, it, again, a lot of it's gut feeling. If there's, are the people telling me the truth? And there's other people. You separate your witnesses. You talk to them. Um, you know, like I said, forensic evidence in in a paranormal investigation is nil. 
is pretty yeah. much okay. That's what I was yeah. wondering. Well, I mean, so, what you can what you can collect is some video evidence and some audio audio evidence and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, like a lot of people use EMF to, uh, you know, uh, and, and EMF readers to me are are a double edged sword. Sometimes uh, you got to make sure, you know, like if I'm in a place with no power. Okay, getting EMF readings, you know, strong, consistent ones are a bit weird. But unless getting, you got a cell phone in your pocket, right? Well, exactly, exactly, yeah. and that's why things like there are protocols. You know, cell phones go on airplane mode, all that wonderful stuff, where they get turned off. Um, the same thing with walkie-talkies. You know, walkie-talkies will set off an EMF meter like nobody's business. Um, so. You know, I don't use really EMF to gauge a lot unless they're in response to questions and they're also engaged with other other uh, measuring devices or other electronics. And um, what I have found in, in my paranormal investigations, where there is paranormal activity, you will get all of, all of the little indicators going on all the stuff rather than just one of the items. When you get one of the items, ah, that's a problem. But when you get all them all going in response to questions at different times, can you show me on that? And it'll show up on that. Can you show me on that? And it'll show up on that. Um, there's some validity to it. Now, again, validity scientifically, I'm I have a different mission when it comes to paranormal. Yeah, I understand that. From right. your, so, you know, with, with the Sasquatch, it's to get that information to the scientists to prove the existence, to validate witnesses. When it comes to the paranormal, it's to validate the witnesses and help them understand what may or may not be going on. And that that's the difference. I'm not worried about science when it comes to the paranormal. It's about helping the people. So it's a different type of mission. Great. Russell, what do you, what's your approach on that since you're kind of in, the, in that same interest? Like, do, you, do, you, do you do any of that kind of field investigation paranormal or do you just are you uh, just collecting uh, information from people's stories or um, I don't do paranormal field investigation I oh, just okay. started getting into the woods with with Bigfoot um, you know I've had my, my experience has happened over the years um, a, a few times that we're, we're convincing um, there are witnesses um, where there were actually manipulation of, of the environment through an invisible source. <laughs> you know, it was, it was cool. <laughs> hey guys, I'm fixing up to, to get out of here. I got a 4.30 in the morning comes early. Oh, right. Oh my goodness. Uh, I appreciate y'all having me on. Mog's cool to see you again. Glad you. You too, Patrick. And, Patrick, uh, easy, Patrick. What did they put in your drink? There's going to be a market for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently it wasn't spiked. It was just my own. Uh, it was true. It was it was the lack of the ability to accept the reality. <laughs> so, so but y'all you know, have a good night, guys. Good night, chat. It's been wonderful. Take care, good Patrick. Patrick. See you, bud. Yeah, Patrick. Oh, and then we're shuffled again. There we go. So, Thomas, I asked Patrick the other day, I was talking to you about this, too, which is about getting you and him together so you could go through your questionnaires with him regarding his sightings. Mm -hmm. And he he's open to doing that with you. Are you sure, open? Sure, anytime. 
Okay, thanks. I just wanted to confirm that too. So I'll set that up eventually with you guys and we'll record it all yeah. as well. Now, it won't be to live. Something, to something that Steve was talking about a little while ago, you know, be people in camp, sit around, talk. Don't, don't necessarily stop talking when you hear something or you're going to make it a game with whatever's out there making noise. But what we do is we'll set up recorders 100 to 200 yards outside of camp so they're beyond the range of our voices. Same way. We still record in camp so that we can debunk any sounds that we pick up. And then we just go through what sounds were going on in the forest. And I'm, I'm working on triangulation stuff yep. so I can even get an idea of where it came from. Yep. Nice. Now I'll give you an interesting uh, an experiment. I run every every when I have my team and I, I run this I run this experiment every time. And and one time it did hit. It was kind of interesting. Is uh, I did learn that one of their uh, the reason why sometimes they throw rocks <clears throat> is a probative thing. Uh, sent the team out. Uh, so we're all around the fire, cordling, having a good time. Okay, time to send the team out. So I send them all out down the road. Uh, they're all out. Me and another researcher stay by. Camp's perfect. We just don't say a word. Just sit there quietly by the fire. After about 10 minutes goes by, here comes a rock flying into camp. So, of course, we get up, we look, hey, what was that? And then I said, ah. Because what I think they're doing, because in 2011, I actually, somewhere I have this recording, there was only three of us, and we left the camp, and something walked up to the camp. You could hear the footsteps, and you hear this little, away. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so, so then the next time, a rock was thrown. And I think what they do, sometimes they're throwing a rock to see if there's a reaction. You get a reaction. Oh, okay. Can't go there. And, and this also happened to another researcher I know who, who was working in Oklahoma, and he was out in the Arbuckle Mountains, and he had he was in a field, and he had put a generator with a TV on it, and he let that TV go every night. Nothing happened. Three nights in a row. The third night, or the fourth night, he decided, Ah, hell with the TV. I'm just going to, you know, go to sleep. And that night, his camp got pelted with rocks. <laughs> because they didn't hear it. Somebody's still there. You know, they see the tents. You know, there's been times like, like the Navajo. When I was on the Navajo, I talked to the talked to one of the rangers there. He says, oh, yeah, a couple seasons ago, you know, these two campers came down and said, can you get our tents? You know, we, we don't want to go back up there. And they're like, why? We don't want to go back up there. They wouldn't say why. He goes up there, and their camp had been tossed. And there's barefoot prints in the snow everywhere, large foot tracks. It was, you know, the Navajo like to call it large foot tracks. And that was from a Navajo, you know, park ranger. So I, I do think that they like, you know, sneaking around our, our campsites when we're not there at night. You know. The observation I have from multiple sources also is that those probative, communicative, e even, uh, e even play a little bit rocks tend mm -hmm. to be small rocks that are tossed. The threat rocks tend to be two hand rocks that are thrown with a fair amount of force. Yep. 
Yeah, that's that tells you the energy discharge of the animal as well, right? I mean, if they're pissed, they're going to pick up a larger object. <laughs> they're not going to pick up a twig and bang a twig up against a tree. They're going to pick up a log and go, Rah! like if you watch chimps and you watch gorillas go through the bush. I mean, it's pretty, the energy discharge is pretty intense. So the night I was talking about. Oh, there it is. That was the rock that was thrown. And there is no rock like this in that particular area. A squirrel. It's obviously a squirrel, Steve. It's obviously a squirrel. I mean, but it was it's funny because you can hear this thing coming through the trees. Leon, you've got to stop using big words like energy <laughs> discharge. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Okay, These guys just used a word that was even more difficult for me to understand. I just no, I, I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand. I was going to say you guys should describe what that word means for people who might not understand what you were talking. Uh, about. Uh, Steve, uh, CC, can you explain to me what energy discharge means? Did I use that word? <laughs> no, can you explain it? <laughs> Well, what I believe what Leon said was emotional discharge. Okay, emotional, emotional energy. energy discharge. Um, well, he said energy discharge. I did say energy. It's called emotional energy discharge. If you're married or in a relationship, and Pat, I've seen this a few times with you and Kim, and your backs are towards each other. And All you're of a sudden, kitchen. Pat realizes he might understand what emotional discharge is. <laughs> Never mind. It's, it's uh, when you don't see calls. It, you don't see the person's face to feel them come across the room, but you certainly feel them come across the room. This is where we get the phrase, cutting the air like a knife. There's an yeah. environmental shift that happens in the room, and, and it's not – the person hasn't said anything, but, boy, you can feel it. Or if you walked across somebody and say you meet a sociopath or a psychopath, um, not in all cases, but or you meet somebody who's not right in the head, all of a sudden you're talking to them and all of a sudden you can feel this shift happen. It's almost like it makes you feel awkwardly uncomfortable. So that's what I'm talking about when we talk about toddlers or animals. You don't talk to a toddler or a young kid or because they don't care what you're saying. It's what, you feel, what you're feeling. And it's the same way with animals as well, especially if you train dogs or horses. Yeah, uh, it's it's about you be having an emotional balance inside of yourself. So you use the emotional balance, like when I was attacked by that grizzly that was stalking me. It, I, I I I was like it's ten fifteen feet in front of me, and this has been stalking me for forty five minutes. If I didn't do a technique called emotional energy discharge to emotionally shift its insides, uh, it would have I wouldn't be here today. So uh, hey, let me address this real quick. That's that. Yeah. Um, and then I want to ask you a question, Leon. Um, listen, um, guys, chat, uh, Bigfoot Anon is welcome here. Uh, I don't think he's. I don't think he's being out of line. I know who he is. He was like I watched him on um, on Russell's show last night. Okay, like he's welcome here. So just. Just be nice to him, like reach out to him, try and be his, you know, try and uh, offer an olive branch, if you will. Like he's welcome here. So, but that, yeah, but that he, goes both ways, you know, Pat. No, I mean, he, no, he's, he, he's got to behave as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's true too. All right. Bigfoot and on. You have to, you know, don't, don't be rude to people in chat. But he's being more like emphatic and passionate about what he's trying to say, sort of like he was on your show last night, uh, and that can come that can come across very like uh, 
Rude. Yeah. So, um, so everybody just chill. He's, he's welcome here. I haven't seen anything. Maybe I missed something, but, uh, I just have to address that real quick. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to add one more thing to the emotional discharge thing. Okay. It, it, it would affect what people would call the vibe of the room. Yes. But it is entirely different from the, the vibrational energy thing, which is the, the thing that uh, Patrick has gotten under his skin recently. What the heck is that? What does that mean? Yeah, that's a different, that's a different, uh, panel <laughs> yes it is a different show really uh so um leon though aren't sociopaths extremely uh clever manipulative people though because they're psychopaths no no sociopaths well sociopaths and psychopaths are two different one is from a behavioral environment and the other one's from a neurological missing part of the brain right so um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, when I dealt with sociopaths, especially like last year, I had to deal with a sociopath and, and try to warn a few organizations that you have a sociopath on staff here and he's going to come in. First thing they'll do is they'll come in and they'll split the hierarchy of the system. So because they know their time is limited and uh, they're usually about five steps ahead of everybody. They'll answer everything and even show emotions that yeah. will uh, appear to be to a non-trained observer to be sincere so they'll cry you know you, you confront them on something they look like they're crying they're not really crying uh, they're, they're going like they're crying because they're, they're they, they have a total agenda and both a sociopath and a psychopath well, more of a sociopath than a psychopath because psychopath really doesn't care about that uh, from one angle whereas a sociopath he does he thinks it, you're stupid and it's your fault that you're that stupid, so it's my right that I get to play you. He's trying and to manipulate you. Very yeah. manipulative. Yeah. Well, and they, but they don't see it as manipulation. That's that's this is that they don't have empathy and compassion. They operate at a guilt and responsibility. So you're dealing with a narcissist, which is just a little lower than a sociopath. A narcissist will always flip it around, and this is why if you're married to somebody who happens to be a, a narcissist. Uh, the problem with it is by the time a relationship's done, you've lost your sense of identity and your capacity to believe what you actually believe because you're too busy. If you're good-hearted and you say you're in love with somebody, well, you, 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 they do a strange behavior. You rationalize it away because you're an honest person and I love this person. So you rationalize it away. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they had this. They're not thinking that way at all. They're thinking eventually where they're going to take you is compliance at all costs to your emotional expense. And uh, the, the vulnerability is heavy. heavy. It is pretty heavy. Yeah. And it's kind of like in the way uh, when we talk about any of these topics we're, we're, we're chatting about, that's why it's important to uh, you, use science. Science helps you be solid. Uh, if you don't, if you don't know how to use techniques to come back to yourself, because most people are not themselves. I mean, to deal with them all the time. It's most people are split psychologically and emotionally by the time you're, it begins around anywhere between three to seven years old when you're in a magical stage of development. But if you have a parent that's chronically criticizing you, this slow chipping away of you ends up happening because you're dependent on these parents. And plus you want to connect primar primarily with your bonding with your parent. So the problem is there's a sacrifice that happens to you, which is the sacrifice of you being able to be you as you compromise to be what the other person wants you to be. 
So you've heard me say this idea of, can I trust you with my truth? Well, if I can't trust you with my truth, then I have to do something about that. So I come over here and I show you I'm Leon and I have a Bigfoot channel. I know everything about Bigfoot. Now I'm doing that to get a reward system back because I have no sense of my own value and uh, worth to stand in. But as soon as I move over here to do the act of Leon, I lose my reality. As I try to win you guys over as if I know everything about Bigfoot, which I know jack shit about a Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, well, you know about Bigfoot. That's the reality of it, right? Do, uh, do they eat berries? Do you know that? Uh, well, according to some people, I guess so. I don't know. We'll have to wait to see if we have any encounters and maybe we should do some investigations. Has anyone seen a Sasquatch with blue around their faces or red? <laughs> Mostly from, from strawberries and raspberries and not from blood. <laughs> you know, so... I mean, the human condition, you're not in control. We're not in control. We think we're in control, uh, <laughs> of life, uh, but you're not in control of your life as much as you think you are because your brain, again, isn't you. You're not your brain. Your brain has all these different programming systems that operate automatically. You're not thinking about breathing. You're not thinking about hearing me until I just said that. Now you're reflecting on, oh, yeah, I can hear Leon. Oh, I see what he means. That's all automatic. So it's not just in those areas. It's about when you see the unknown, the brain goes to the primal part, goes to pareidolia files, what look, goes to your files, what looks like that object, comes up with a pareidolial vi vision for it. And then this is all happening at the speed of light. And then the other part of your brain is coming up with a narration of what it might be. And so that looks like a Sasquatch. It's a stump, a burnt stump, but I can't see that because it's dusk. So it looks like a Sasquatch. That's where your brain's already put in there. Brings it around the frontal cortex, gives you a script, which is that looks like a Sasquatch, but is it a Sasquatch? And if you don't vet that, and you're, you're hooked into wanting to believe, like Thomas has mentioned a hundred times since I've met him, is this faith idea. I want to believe. Well, if you want to believe something, you got to be very cautious because that's setting your whole brain up with intent to look for the evidence to validate that. And those stump squatches are very patient. Yes. And not to mention they can shift shades, right? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know, like Steve, Steve calls, like, um, what did you see? Uh, was, was that, I mean, was that in play to be fair? Or were you primed to see a Sasquatch because you've been, been around this world? No, uh, too much, too long. <laughs> no, not at all. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting to see anything, especially this. The second one. The second one. Like I said, I tried to self debunk myself. No, I, I. No, I just stepped out of my tent. What, what the? You know, I wasn't expecting it, and that that was kind of the reaction. I no, I, I gotta be tired. I just gotta be no. Okay, Steve. We we did this earlier with Roger Patterson. Let's say Steve Calls gets to uh, interview Steve Calls about his sighting. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> oh, your Jesus. first step. Huh? What's well, the first step? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, send him to the loony bin, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to just share something in there, too. There's uh, We talked a little bit about this, too. There's a big difference when people believe they saw a Sasquatch. And, and Steve, you would know about this. Mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're investigating people, there's people who believe they saw something compared to a person when you're investigating that did see something. And you can pick the, the cues out in their body language, oh, the tone, I, the way they're articulating it, right? Compared to a lot of people who've seen, believe they saw a Sasquatch compared to ones who saw a Sasquatch. And those oh, are the yeah. ones. I'll give you. I'll give you a great example. I, sure. I had a friend of mine who I met, strangely in the, in, in the paranormal world, and uh, he was saying, "Yeah, you know, 
I'm not saying this is a Sasquatch by any means, but when I was, you know, but, it, and he kept telling me it, it, it wasn't a Sasquatch. It, it just, no. And, uh, he had a sighting and, I, and where it was, he was like, well, I was fishing on Kinderhook Creek. And I go, stop right there. Was this the 1980s? He's like, yeah, <laughs> you saw the Kinderhook creature because at that time everybody was seeing him there, but he never came, came out public, never said nothing to anybody, never, never even wanted to believe. And he's like, I don't know if I uh, listen, Jack, you saw a Sasquatch. And it, it took a little while before it finally clicked. He goes, finally, he's like, he called me up. He's like, all right, you're right. He goes, I guess, I guess I've been trying to tell myself all these years I didn't. But he goes, I never knew that there was sightings in that area, let alone in that time period. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where I knew he had seen something. And he just wanted to, you know, convince himself. He described it. Up, down, left, right, what it did. Gesundheit. And uh <laughs> <laughs> I thought I turned the mic off fast enough. It was coming up quick though. <laughs> oh, you did, but but you could see it. I didn't hear it, but I felt it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let me wipe that off, you guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. He's very perceptive. Yeah, sorry, uh, Russell. <laughs> you changed our environmental psychological response. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave me COVID. <laughs> That's okay. You'll be immune now. Yeah. Oh. But for, but for the most part, you know, the people that I talk, I, I talk to a lot of times, this is the first time that they've seen it. And a lot of times I'll, I didn't even believe these things. You know, you'll get comments like that, that it wasn't even in their belief system. But then, you know, and sometimes it'll be months before they it, the report gets to me or before they start talking, they start doing their, uh, they start going online. What the hell did I see? And then they start, you know, looking and, and it's got its positives, it's got its negatives. So really now with the, the level of information on the web, it's not like 20 years ago where somebody had seen something and they're coming to you with a big question mark. They're coming to you. Now, after that, what the hell did I see? And they start tapping on the keyboard and they start seeing these things. So you got to, you got to, that's the other thing too, is one of my questions I ask is, well, what internet research have you done? You know, have you been to this site? Have you been to that site? Or, and then they start becoming more open. Well, I, I visited this, I visited that. And I heard they can do this. And I go, whoa, slow down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that's another bit there. There's a bit of information overload and there's a lot of yeah. misinformation overload. So. Well, I find too when you're doing witnesses, as even the ones, or not uh, the the problem is we talk about at least when I'm teaching, we talk about functionality and dysfunctionality. And the problem with functionality and dysfunctionality is it looks the same on the outside. So someone's showing you love and affection, but the motivation behind it mm -hmm. is two different things. So I, I so many times I've had people who've said uh, they saw a Sasquatch and they use the same phrase like Patrick used. I didn't believe in it, right? But they, those those are. Uh, Oh, body language terms. I'm trying to think of what the, the actual technical term is for it. But they do it so it sounds like it's good to the narration of the story they're sharing with you instead mm -hmm. of actually being truthful about it. Now, the good thing about Patrick is, I mean, he sat down and talked for three hours online and filmed the whole thing. And uh, he's got all the other extra stuff you're looking for. 
<laughs> in the conversation, you know, it's not this, uh, just, I, you know, I never believed in these things because I just finished doing a report. There's a video on my channel there that shows the guy even says that, you know, I never believed in these things, but I'm a believer now, you know, he told the reporter that. Yeah, well, that sounds good for the narration as he shows this photo that he has of the Sasquatch footprint on his property, which is from a book. Uh, Sasquatch book, <laughs> another guy's book or whatever like that, which is actually a human footprint. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know why people, this guy particularly, I mean, to be in a small community like here in, in Kelowna and uh, have a neighborhood post on the Facebook neighborhood page saying that a Sasquatch has come through. Has anyone else seen it? Here's a picture of this footprint. His name is on the Facebook thing. Then he goes to the press. His name's on the press. Everybody in that section of that neighborhood knows this guy. I mean, I, I, did you not think past this? about no. your, I'm on the ride of saying I saw a Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, but did you think of what's going to happen when they find out that none of this is true? And you live hang, on, hang on, just stop what did you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's the good one, Steve. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, there are, no. like, I, like in all worlds, there are, you know, in my world, there are bright criminals and there are very dumb criminals. And that is a case of somebody wanting to feel special very badly, but didn't think of the long term, didn't play for the long ball. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the long ball, you know, and, you know, there, there are, like I said, the sociopaths, psychopaths are notorious for being able to operate under the radar without, oh, yeah. he's such a great guy and blah, blah. Yep. They are the super manipulators that have these yep. really hidden undertones. Yeah. That, uh, and, yeah. But I don't think there are too many Bigfoot psychopaths. I think they're, uh, they're mm -hmm. sociopaths. They have some sort of, narcissistic value where they want to project themselves as being this great leader. And, and then you look at the, and then there's the ones that have the dollar signs in their heads. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can think of one Canadian in particular who <laughs> likes to charge $3,000 on expeditions, who's going to come out with some great new evidence in the next week and a half or week. You must have had a key um, point for that. Huh? That was $5,000. <laughs> 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 that was $5,000. <laughs> that depends. It's $20 <laughs> in a sandwich if you're blonde and about five foot five. Yeah, yeah. So, and, I'll leave you, uh, yeah and I'll leave you in the bush with her because I don't want to deal with it. And I, she'll have to find her way out with you. Yeah, that's all that story, too, right? Anyway, uh, sorry. I know it's insane. It's so frustrating. Um, but you know, you. But the most part, the most we deal with are the people that just have this need to feel important. And is it malicious? I don't consider that malice. I just consider that a you know a, a psychological flaw of theirs. They just want to feel really important and. You know, that's why they're out there every day doing their, I'm out, we're out here doing research. And we had four or five squatches out there and, oh, they were making noise. And, and uh, you know, it's and, and every day. Come on. Not one shred of evidence. And then they turn around and say, oh, we had great evidence. And, well, where is it? <laughs> oh, we can't show it to you right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's classified. Huh. Or we've blurred it. Yeah, CC. Are you? Thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pat. Let <laughs> well, me bring that well, up. Well, what I've been thinking about is, is is another thing that we didn't quite touch on a lot earlier in the show, which is there. There's a lot of channels out there that are that are bring us your story. Um, 
some are genuinely curious, some are just telling stories for entertainment purposes, and they, they'll bring someone on who has potentially had a really traumatic experience, has, has all of the, the PTSD issues from this super intense experience. And what you do is you, you, you drag them on, you drag the story back out of them, you put them through this whole experience again, and then thanks so much, have some coffee, we'll talk to you later. Next yep. story. Yep. Yep. What are the risks to an individual of, of that sort of thing. Well, I, I've always been a firm believer in, in, and I met a guy and he's been out there. He's been on a bunch of show, Dave Groves and Dave had a sighting and I was doing a, a lecture at Cabela's down in Wheeling, West Virginia. And Dave was there and we had a long, you know, we had a long discussion and I say, Dave, why don't you want to tell your story? He goes, I'm afraid nobody will believe me. I'm afraid. Huh. You know, this, that, the other thing, people think I'm crazy. I said, if you're willing, I want to pull you up on the stage to tell your story. And it's going to feel like a weight off your chest. And he says, okay, I'll do it. And he got up there as nervous as he was. He told the story. Nobody made fun of him. I said, anybody have questions for Dave? And people were asking, well, what did it, you know, what, what, you know, what did the face look like? What did this look like? What did that look like? And I said, okay, we'll take one more question for Dave. Well, he said, I want to take up like more than like 10 or 10 minutes or so. And Dave got off. And then when I got done with my lecture, I came down. Dave was like, thank you. He goes, that was a big weight off my chest to actually be able to tell that story and people not judge me and people actually ask me about it. He goes, I feel so much better. And since then, he's been able to openly talk about it. So there, there are certain times it helps. And there's certain and we've times. And a live forum in front of actual people. Yes. Absolutely. As opposed to online, you're at home alone, revisiting right. this trauma mm. over a computer connection. Right. But you see, it's also the responsibility of the person bringing that person on to protect them. That's Absolutely. why when I have. One of, one of the first questions I always ask is, do they wish to remain confidential? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. And, and, and that's the big thing. When, when I get somebody on a show, if they're having any, any, listen, we can keep you confidential. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're going to take questions. We're not going to, and if somebody's, you know, asking some critical questions, that's fine. Expect that. But we're not going to allow X, Y, and Z. We're not going to allow somebody to, you know, ignore the chat. Don't look at the chat. You stick with what we are. We're going to protect you by your side. And that's the way we do it. And then I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm one of the few shows that actually talks about that to witnesses is how did that make you feel? How did you feel after that? Have you had trouble sleeping? Have you, know, had, had, and like the very first time I had my sighting, it just played over and over and over and over and over in my head. Like, oh my God, you know, and yeah, it caused a sleepless night or two because it's just playing over in my head. Like, yeah, if know, I think about it enough, I'll get all the answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'll be it's insane. Um, That's what's gonna but um, but the, the whole thing is is that I, you know, I'm a witness, so I understand some of what they're even though hey, I was a researcher and I know what it did to me. I can't expect what it would have done to somebody like a Patrick, who it wasn't in their belief system. Ah, oh, it's a bunch of ho hooey, and then all of a sudden, 
No wonder he can't take a picture. His his mind is trying to process what he's seeing. You know, and that's that's another big reason why we don't get a lot of pictures and, and why we need to be trained is because and that that's what I've been doing is now I I'm very happy when I go out on an expedition and I get some wildlife on my equipment. All right, yeah, I got like I went out to Kentucky and you'll all see on Sunday. I get a bat. I was like, oh yeah, look at the bat. And he's swooping down, grabbing mosquitoes on the night vision. I'm like, this is awesome. So I'm happy I got something on there because it, practice makes perfect, you know. And um, you're right. You got to get that trigger, uh, you know, that, that you know, in my whole, I, I remember my rationale from when I had the camera in my pocket the first time is if I move this light, it's going to take off. So I'm just going to keep it there. And it kept looking back at me. And I think it was trying to figure out does it see me or is it just shining the light this way? Yeah. But the minute I moved that light off, it went. Huh. Well, there's another part too, for me is I've been wanting to see one with my brain. I have today, even though I feel like seeing one when I was younger, but I don't think I would. Uh, and I know what's going to be one of the problems is I, I don't want to grab my camera because I'm not going to be wanting to even think about grabbing my camera because I get to finally see it. And I want to absorb right. all the information. Right. And uh, and then maybe track it down again, then film it. Um, but I would hope that my camera, that's my cameras that are automatic, because the good thing is I got just little buttons I just have to push and all my cameras come on kind of thing, uh, that, that I'll have enough sense to at least do that. But I, I know for one thing, I don't really give a shit whether anyone's seeing what I'm seeing at that moment. I know I give a shit about seeing it. And I want to absorb yeah. all of it as much as I can and then maybe sculpt what I'm looking at. That'd be the next thing I would do. So I get the emotional imprint of what I'm seeing so I can go back to the sculpture of it as a reference point of what its primal, primate, or primal look is, uh, its structure, all that kind of stuff. I could have that with a camera, but I'm wired a little differently. I, my brain's actually wired backwards from the general population, so it's kind of hard to explain that to people. Right. But sometimes you'll catch me online, think backwards. And uh, I, I think I'm thinking forwards as you guys would listen to me, but I, I'm thinking from a totally different angle. And I think that's just... Uh, it's a gifting in one way, but it's because uh, you see like totally different than the average population. Huh. But, and another side of it is how do you articulate and flip it around so they understand what you're saying and uh, stuff. But yeah, I mean, for me, parts of me would be just like, I don't give a shit. This is neat. Look at that. I mean, Thomas, you and I were roughly the same age here. And uh, it'd be just nice, like I say to Thomas all the time, I just want, to, if I find one, I would say, Thomas, I'm going to phone you up and say, I don't give a shit what you're doing right now. Phone mm -hmm. in sick. <laughs> get your you, ass you, over here because they're here right now. You won't have to, to, you won't have to phone them. They'll probably okay, hear so. you. <laughs> They'll probably hear you without a phone. <laughs> Even now, oh, Leon, I, if I come to see you, I'm breaking the law because I'm not allowed to leave the lower mainland because it's a COVID thing. No, that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll write up, uh, I'll write up, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the form we need now? We need the travel exemption form in regards to yeah 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 the, 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 the government's using covid as an excuse to turn us into a show us your papers society <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna I pole vault like over that. the wall in Canada. Yeah. we built around canada yeah. <laughs> well we know the territory better than they'll stick with the road let's just have to drive around the roads <laughs> Oh, if you were a foreigner right. watching the news in this country for the last three years, you'd want to build a wall, too. <laughs> hey, I, I'll uh, tell you, Leon, if that happens, I don't care what the law says. I'm there. I, I, I've yeah. always said that the Canadians must feel like the, those people that live, you know, in the apartment above the meth lab. 
I think it's more about we're worried we're living above the apartment. <laughs> we're hoping it's not a meth lab. <laughs> um, by the way, Tom, I did send you a, a Facebook message with those charts and a request. Roger that. Thank you, sir. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, hey, we're at the three hour mark. Three hour. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, and so I'm just going to go real quick. Don't. We're not going to open big discussion here. Just real, real like the last round. time. Yeah, <laughs> around the panel. Um, here we go again. Yeah. We talked for six hours last time. Do you remember that? We talked for no, six no, 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 hours. No. Man. That's fine. It for but not for live. I mean, okay. we we can yeah. keep going, but uh, so real quick around the panel. I'll just <laughs> you know I'll do the generic asking uh, thirty seconds for each person. Uh, what do you think? What do you think we're dealing with? What is this phenomenon likely? Let's just say likely. We don't know, blah, blah blah, or maybe we do. I don't know. Likely, what are we dealing with out there in the woods with the Bigfoot phenomena? And we're going to start with Steve Calls and go around the horn. Steve, we are dealing with an undiscovered primate, be it a pongid or hominin. I'm not sure, but I know it's a primate just on based on what I've seen with the descriptions of been in the past and its behaviors. Thank you. Oh, you gave us an extra 20 seconds for our answer. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> See? The, uh, what, what I'm designing my investigations for when, when I'm out in the field is to try to pique the curiosity of an intelligent primate. All right, Thomas. In my opinion, I think we're dealing with a flesh and blood animal, a primate, an unclassified species of higher primate. If it isn't that, it is strictly North American folklore and mythology. Fair enough. I, I also believe it's a it's a flesh and blood primate, but I, I believe it also might have some, you know, supernatural abilities. Not necessary, not necessarily paranormal, but supernatural. Leon. I think it's something that lives, breathes, and walks and is flesh. As and far poops. as that, that's all I know. So and poops and sends that poop. Well, I can't say that. I've never seen that. Poop. <laughs> <laughs> sends that poop carefully. Yeah. Well, it must be poopery somewhere, I would think. Not poopery. Okay, <laughs> Peel box 14. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's Meltrum's address again? <laughs> it's online. Um, hey, the P.O. box is getting a little ripe again. We're <laughs> <laughs> not been through to Meldrum. Oh, my God. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Every single one of you, Thomas, Steve, Russell, Steve Coles, Leon. We had Brent here, and I don't know, somebody else? Was Patrick. There? Patrick. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Um, thanks guys for coming on. Um, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, man, you're welcome here anytime. <laughs> and, and 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 Steve calls, which this is your third appearance on my show. So, uh, yeah, you guys are all welcome. Great, great discussion tonight. I'd love to keep it going, but apparently, uh, Brent is the only one with a social life. <laughs> <laughs> social life. Social. What, 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 what is that? 
<laughs> it's an oxymoron. <laughs> but yeah, thanks guys. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. We're going to end the show and uh, thanks uh, chat and everybody for watching tonight. Good audience. Appreciate you all. Every single one of you, even you Bigfoot Anon. Uh, like you're welcome here, bud. And you, we will have that flat earth debate. So we'll make that happen, bro. You and me. Yeah, I think uh, you might have lost him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I told him earlier in chat. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, we'll do that. And uh, but a great show tonight. Uh, appreciate you guys being here again. Um, great discussion as always. We'll wrap it up. And uh, thanks everybody for watching. We will see you next time. Later.